This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. At the beginning of your draw step, draw an additional card. So that's cool. It's pretty good in red. At the beginning of your end step, discard your... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty shitty, because this guy doesn't have fucking haste. I knew what you were going to say. Hey, do you like paying four mana to discard your hand? Because we also gave it wings. <laughs> Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by ManaDeprived.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal palm-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. And of course, they rag on me for not talking enough. <laughs> nice. Listen to me now, bitch. That's <laughs> Jay Boosh. You know what? This is how it works. I'm not old as fuck, and I don't play idiot. And those are the two things that apparently matter when you want to play Mind Flavor. Scotty. And and I cash that GP. Like, that's legit. Like, for me, being just the fucking dad grinder, that's a huge deal. And Jeremy. Sometimes you just have to be that guy. We're like, oh, you want to play some Modern? It's like, yeah, I want to play some Modern. And it's like, I'll suspend a Lotus Bloom. And they're just like, oh, why did I want to play Modern with you? And now, the A-Team. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 232 of the A-Team Podcast. Mr. Scotty Mac, I am back from my long vacation, my two-week... Was I gone two weeks? I feel like I was gone two My two-week hiatus. You gone two weeks? I don't know. I was gone a long fucking time, and I'm back, fuckers! How long? How long? <laughs> so long. So wrong. Um, yeah, you guys had a really good episode last week. I was really pleased. I was so proud of you both, Paul. <laughs> you oh, fuck. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Jay and Jer said so much. <laughs> no, honestly, it was it was a good episode. It was it was the first thing that I put on uh, as soon as I got into the car to go uh, to get off my plane. It was the first thing we put on. And the wife was uh, we were following along actually with the eBay auctions. Like every day we'd check in just to see how high, you know, the goif had gotten. And once I realized that it had gotten into the, like, at about 3,000 or something, I was like, all right, honey, you got to hear the story. <laughs> and so I told her the story. And she's just like, and what's it at now? I'm like, 3,500 bucks. And she's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, there's six days left. So, so we kept, kept following, kept following along. So it was, uh, so soon as we popped it in and you guys were talking about it, it was, it was pretty sweet. She could relate because. We'd, we'd been following along all weekend, so yeah, it was a it was a good episode. I was very pleased. You guys held it down. We got her done. Hey guys. So uh, so yeah, I I regretfully or rather happily, I guess, played zero magics whilst I was gone. Paid almost zero attentions to the regular things that were occurring as you know the week went on. But I uh, had a really good time regardless. Saw a lot. Spent some quality time with the wife and schmoozed a bunch of my executives at the offices. So that was cool. 
But yeah. What have you guys been doing this week? Uh, I've been playing Magic Online. Good. Playing more Magic. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, went and instead of doing Friday Night Magic, I went and I watched the lacrosse final because we've had this team for 10 years and I've off and on supported them through that 10 years and they were up a game versus Toronto and it was a best of three series and if they won the game, they would have won the championship and they won the game and won the championship. Sweet. We took Petra out to that and uh, we lasted all the way to the end of the first quarter. And then we uh, picked her up and packed her home because she had already kicked the people in front of us in the back of the head a couple times. Oh. Um, and she was having a meltdown. So, yeah. You know what's really entertaining is when your kids are so young that they'll never remember and you look at them square in the face when they're screaming and you go, this, this is why we can't have nice things. And then you yes. leave. <laughs> but only when they're way too young to remember. Yeah. No, it was great that they had the game televised, so when I got home, I was able to keep watching. So That's good. Yeah, uh, lacrosse obviously being one of Canada's actual legal national sports uh, is pretty sweet. So it's good. It's a good it game. is pretty sweet. It is a good game. Jay, what would you do this weekend, buddy? Anything exciting? No, I played some Star Wars and made some blue cards and did some, some cube drafts. Yeah? You know, same old, same old. That's nice. Uh, it's been a while since you played Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah, Jeremy's getting super into Star Wars, so I'm back on the Star Wars train. Because um, Star Wars is fucking sweet. Actually, I got a face-to-face package today. <gasps> that was like the Tantive Four, Whoa. Which is like the big, huge uh, thing. Like, the it's Princess Leia's ship. Yeah. <clears throat> from uh, A New Hope that you see in the first scene. So yeah, so that's pretty fucking sweet. I'm eager to try that out because it's like a big ship, so it's got special rules and stuff. So we're going to play probably Wednesday, I think he was saying. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Although, like I talked about in the last episode, like the power creep is just insane. We played on Sunday, and like none of my old strategies can do anything against Jeremy's new, like, overpowered, I don't want to say cards, so I guess it's like ships. Is it ships or is it pilots, really? Well, it's both. Like, the, sh- the ships are different, and then also the different skills they have, I guess, are also different. So it's a little bit of both. Like, there's there's ships that, like, there's, like, new weapons that can, like, fucking shoot backwards and outside of your range, and then there's, like, guys that get to, like, re-roll 500 fucking dice because of some bullshit. they the luckiest people ever. Yeah, and then it's like, if you're at range one, re-roll. If you're at range two, re-roll. If you're at range three, then the defending player can't do anything. Oh, okay. Sweet. Sweet. So, um, I still beat him. I'm a better pilot than he is. But, uh-huh. uh, but there's still a little bit of skill in it, like, similar to magic. But at the same time, it's like... It's just like, uh, it's a it's a very difficult game to play. It's a bad matchup, almost, you could say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Huh. Interesting. But it's, yeah, it's sweet. It's getting good. And also, like, uh, we were talking about, like, the tournament um, system for for Star Wars. So there's two judges in Star Wars in the entire world. Oh, my God. They, they're the creators. There's no judge program. They're just the creators of the Star Wars game, basically. Um, and the tournaments, so store tournaments are run by stores. Yep. And then the regionals and everything else are run, like, like are run by uh, Fantasy Flight, which is, like, Wizards, I guess. So it'd be like Wizards, it'd be like if Wizards ran your PTQ. 
So that's kind of cool. And then also, like, to go to Worlds, you just have to have, like, uh, like I think, like, 40 bucks and a deck list. Oh. Like, you, anybody can just go play Worlds if they want, um, which is kind of cool. Star Wars, like, miniatures. You yeah, like Star Wars. deck list? Yeah, well, like your ships or whatever. Oh, like a, sh- a fleet list. Fleet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have you don't have to have the actual fleet. You just need a list. Yeah, and then you well bring your ships presumably. I just mean like right. when you're registering, like you don't have to qualify for worlds. Mm. You can just go and play, which is like it's an really open. Cool. Yeah, it's it's really cool because like you just have to be able to get to wherever you're going, and then they have like the regionals and stuff are like BTQs where like you win a like you win a slot or whatever. Um, but like, it's cool that if I wanted to just, if I happen to be in, I don't know, like San Diego and that's where Worlds was, I could like just play in Worlds if I want. Nice. Um, and you know, it's super competitive despite being open. So there's still guys that are just insane at this game, just like bonk. Like they should just be military commanders, really. Really? Um, so it's, it's not like I would ever win kind of thing, but like I said, you're, you're in a situation where, where you're like. If you, if you, it's like the Rudy, right? If you, if you believe you might be able to win, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's kind of cool. I like that idea. Nice. Yeah. Well, where is the next one? I have no idea, to be honest. I did not look into it that far. So, but it'd be cool to, I, maybe I will look into that. Maybe I'm going to look into that right now. Googling. <laughs> The <laughs> so Star Wars, well, in 2014, it was. Oh, it's in November. Okay. So it's not for a while. It's but still it, coming. Upcoming. Yeah, that's what No, it isn't. Damn it. Well, you know, maybe this is why they only have two judges. Maybe I just have to phone them or something. Because I can't seem to find it. You can find lots of stuff about tournament lists and lots of stuff about what kind of miniatures are going to come out soon. I don't know when worlds are. But yeah, so anyway. Yeah, like they always have it at like a thing like that. They always have it at like Gen Con or uh, what's the other big one? BlizzCon. Gen Con. I think it's Gen Con. World Championships. Gen Con. This does not say. Oh, it's March 30th. No, it's not. That's just when it was updated. Are you sure? It doesn't say yet. It has to, it's to be announced, but it's probably Gen Con. Like Jeremiah mm-hmm. says. Jeremiah will <laughs> Nice. All right. Well, that sounds cool. And cube drafts are as per standard. Yeah, cube drafts are same old, same old. Nice. And I will ask about the boost stuff later, because I want to hear about your progress. But I don't want to tangentialize just yet. Yeah, Raj. Raj! We won more! KYT! What's up? How was your weekend? What did you do? Holy shit, it's KYT! (laughs) (laughs) Um, not much. I've actually been playing, like, like Jerry... Jer- Jared, like Jeremy, Jeremy. play. Playing, oh, sorry, I'm allowed to play Moto. <laughs> play more Moto. Um, and uh, been following a lot of sports. The NBA and the NHL are, are pretty exciting at this moment. Mm-hmm. Both series the are triple crown. 
<laughs> oh yeah, there's also the Triple Crown, <laughs> which I never watched. So, but been, been playing a lot of more Moto than than I have been in in preparation for Providence, which uh, I said in earlier shows that I'm likely to go to. Um, my starting point was uh, this week has been just to test out the deck that Jerry's high on, the one that I I was excited to try out the most on a previous show, which was the the Japanese Dragons deck, Green Black Dragons, right? No, well, well, is it called Green Black Dragons? Just because, but it because it's the one that plays like all the like yeah, all the good cards. Like it's it's like Raptors and uh, Protectors and Coursers and Dragons. Okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, and and like oh yeah, so yeah, the core of it is Green Black. So I guess I, I see it, and uh, my experience with it hasn't been amazing. It can do some powerful stuff, but I feel like. We're going to get to the, the TCG results and, and everything. Um, but it doesn't seem like this deck is, is getting played by any of the uh, known pros in, in North America. And uh, the deck feels slowish against certain strategies. Um, it didn't have the same type of comeback uh, potential as, as an Abzan deck with end hostilities, etc. Like sometimes I really uh, felt like I needed to draw that Ugin that's, that's in the sideboard. Um, I, I'm I'm playing like Jerry T's latest tune list that he plays on the stream, mm-hmm. uh, which is very close to to the Japanese list uh, at the at the GP that it broke out as. So I've been placed four courser that you know Willie Idol 100% endorses, and I'm sure all of us endorse playing four courses. Doesn't really make sense to play three, um, but it I got to play around with the since I've been playing just nothing but Esper Dragons. I got to play around with the cute Raptor and Den Protector. Uh, strategy for the first time. Thought it was really, really awesome. Um, yeah, is it any good? Yes. Uh, well, it feels good. It feels it really good. <laughs> um, do I, you I, like value? <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious. As a magic player, do you speaking like of, value? Speaking of value, when we were cube drafting on Friday, a buddy of mine passed me a, tr- a pack and picked two mana crypts. And I was like, what did you take over this mana crypt? And so then he didn't tell me. And then today he was like, I lied when I said I didn't remember. I did remember. I was like, okay, well, what did you take? I took Rite of Replication. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah? He's like, well, it's such a value card. And he's like, in hindsight, it would have wheeled, and I probably should have just taken the mana crypt. But at the same time, like, it's just a value card, and then I built my whole deck around it with it coming to play effects and bouncing, and, you know, it was pretty, it, was, it worked pretty good. It was fine. It's fine. I was like, yeah, to- fucking totally. Totally. But yeah, magic players, I guess we like value. <laughs> Continue on your green, black um, dragon quest. So right before the show, I, I, I won in a queue against a, a green, white deck, aggro deck that, you know, I just traded my raptors for his boon satyrs, for his um, fleet's main lions, all these three threes, two twos, and then just flipped up them protector, bring something back, bring all the raptors back, and just felt way ahead it felt disgusting also had downfalls and emerge cut another protector in my hand so in that particular matchup i felt like this combo was just utterly insane and um what makes me really excited uh, about this combo is just using it in, in other decks where it's good in which is uh like more of the abs and mid-range i think um i like where something like what when Turnwall played into tc player TCG player. So, so this is the deck that Yuki Ichikawa basically made <clears throat> real popular. Now, Owens is really way more is a little bit more mid range. Like he's gone with, um, 
Well, it's really just gone with a little bit more removal, shaving a couple of creatures, and going with like end hostility instead of just crux of fate. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, like there were a lot of people that were playing that deck. That's actually what I have sleeved in standard myself, by the way. Is this this type of deck? Like Simon Hamden played a, played a deck that was very similar, and he top aided with it. Uh, Mike Sigrist has been playing it a lot. I've been chatting with him about it. Um, Robbie Chan played a version that was very similar, but like. Yeah, the deck is super powerful. And you get to play three copies of Elspeth. Like, get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think I'm, I'm going to try this next because it feels like it has a better... Um, I, I see Sigrist played this as well in the, in the TCG tournament, but it has more of a... I feel like sometimes I just play one dragon and I'm just fucking dead. Yeah. Whereas, like, you can play Elspeth to stabilize, you can play End Hostilities, or Crux, if you're still playing Crux of Fate, Crux of Fate to stabilize more. Um, and obviously you have Siege Rhinos that are way better at stabilizing than uh, a lone dragon, especially if you're, you're playing the 5-7 the that is usually probably not going to live. And now that people are, are adopting things like, well, at least in the queues, I've seen Arbor Colossus come up a lot. So um, it's a lot of green red devotion, buddy. Yeah, so that, that's really annoying. So that makes me not really high on this Dragon's deck. Plus, I lost against a random... I haven't been playing Standard in a while, but I lost to this random Merfolk deck, so I kind of feel embarrassed. In Standard? Yeah. <laughs> well, Blue Devotion deck. It plays, like, Blue Elemental, I guess. It plays Master Race, Tassa, the Triple Blue guy, Shore, oh. something Elemental. And it was able to get there with me. It was, like, like easily able to get there. Um, without that much interaction um, in, in the Dragon's deck, it's hard to interact with Master of Waves in a very effective and profitable way. Like, you really have to have your hero's downfall. Like, you're not going to be able to foul tongue invocation that deck, etc. So it was a rough, it was a rough match. Um, I'd have to play again to see how, how it actually is supposed to go, but... Uh, he was able to beat me like decisively in that one match we had. Yeah, so looking forward to playing more Magic and and uh, getting better at Magic, <laughs> right, Jer? <laughs> Lots Get of comments. Magic. Lots of comments over the topic last week. You know what? I'm terrible because I didn't read a single fucking comment. Wow. Yeah, just the worst. Man, the stone. Thorn guy is just like a big fan of our show, and uh, Who's the he Stone Thorn guy. Yeah, he's His like. Name is Less, I believe. <laughs> and he, yeah, we, I met him in Portland. Oh, I think that's the same guy we're talking about. Yeah, he's a little bald guy who lives in Portland. Yes, he gave you a golf rangefinder. Correct. I did tell that story on the show. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, left this a good comment. I, now the subject at hand. Today's podcast, Jeremy comes up saying that he's fucking fed up with being garbage at this game. Then he proceeds to say the issue is that he doesn't put in the time, in quotes, which feels like a cop-out response. <laughs> wow, wow, I am getting called out. <laughs> yes and no. He, so basically what he says to you is that you blame yourself too much and that you do not lean on the variance argument enough. But I feel... Uh, not that I want to disagree with or get in a fight with Les, because obviously, like, sometimes 
when you fight with people on the internet, they take everything you say as like an absurd absolute and then are dinks. But I don't think Les would do that. He seems like a very reasonable gentleman. Uh, I think it's, a, it's, it's the opposite. I think people in general, less that blame variance too much. I find that that's actually worse. Um, like variance is a variance is a, I guess like a natural part of the game, but it's, it doesn't happen, I guess, as much as it seems like you're implying that it does. So Jeremy, I think obviously knows about variance and yeah, variance and, is a thing. And ha- you know, but that's but, second at a GP. But, that's variance. Yeah, but even you know, even when you—that's true. Maybe maybe you're not actually good at magic. Um, but even when you even even when you brick—that's like, what we uh, came to last week. <laughs> even when you brick like five lands in a row, which is variance, uh, there's still things that you probably could have improved on in your game inside the game before that moment. Not necessarily that would have won you the game, but it might have played differently. So, and I think well, that's like that's the Jeremy's thing. It's so was. easy to lean on was. that particular game. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, it's always so easy to lean on that. Like, oh, all five lands, I couldn't do anything. I literally yeah. didn't get any more lands. It's like, okay, so in that game, maybe you didn't have any decisions to make. That's a terrible game of Magic. Yep. Sucks to be you. Yep. Every other game, did you do perfect? No. Did you no. win every game? Maybe. But did you do it perfect? No. So, like that's yeah. like one of those things that. Uh, Finkel. Finkel would always obsess about was, you know, winning the game right. Same with Hain. Like, not being happy with a win. And Hain like, does that, right? Or he used probably. to do that. Anyway. He used to do that. Does he still do that, KIT? Do what? Does he still obsess over playing perfectly? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Like, not just to uh, play to win. Like, he doesn't just want to win. He wants to play perfectly, right? Right, right. I think, to Les's point, there are some of us that... Um, I know are probably too hard um, on themselves for certain results that they've uh, totally prepared for. Like, um, not GP Boston, but something else like Scott like prepared really, really a lot for. Mm-hmm. Didn't get the results that he got, and I didn't feel like... Uh, I didn't... Like, was it in GP Toronto? Perhaps. that It wasn't necessarily his play, maybe. Like, I'm, this is just an example, but it could have been easily... Because it's just one tournament, it could have been like that day he just had you know the bad uh, run of cards for that particular day. And I think there are a lot of us who uh, maybe too hard on ourselves when that does happen. We just like you know we're just so hyped about doing well in, in our prep, but then it's not due to it's actually not due to our play, but it's really because we mulligan like crazy for that specific tournament, and uh, it does happen. Um, but more often than not, people do. Uh, blame variants a bit too much, but then there are those that that forget that that are too hard on themselves on, on the other side of the coin. I feel the other thing too is I feel that like you don't really ever you don't really ever need to talk about variants because variants affect everybody equally. Like you know, so it's it's almost assumed. It's like an assumed. It's an assumed thing. There is going to be variants. Variance is going to happen. You know. What do you mean the queen moves all directions? <laughs> um, bullshit I think, bunch of bullshit that's what that is that's really true uh, Jay I think uh, that ultimately there's just people that even though they do understand it they just can't take it right they just get like really pissed yep, or yep, there fucked is. up after yeah. one round or two and then there, there are those of us who, who can see the long run of you know your it, to see that in a stretch of you know 100 tournaments or whatever I'm I should be able to do well in X percentage of them. Yeah. 
But if if you've been consistently doing bad uh, lately, then you know. Then it's. I, I think there it's like it's obviously not variants. I think is the point, right? Like I, I, I think it's obvious that Jeremy's just not not very good at this game. So. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Oh, oh it's real. He second it's at a real. GP. Yeah. And then what happened? That is clearly, clearly the outlier. That is clearly Never the outlier. Pete. <laughs> Fucking hyper Pete. I love you, Jared. Holy jeez. Yeah, it, uh, I agree with you guys. I think that what it comes down to is if you... I actually think Kane has it right. If you focus on how well you're playing, and if you focus on making the, like, what's the, the actual correct play each turn, um, and, like, so long as you, you use those little lessons to kind of, like, build upon themselves and continue to stack, then that's what's inevitably going to get you there. I think that, you know, focusing too much on, on variances is, is unhealthy. Yes, you're right, Jay, it does go both ways. But I think that, um, like, you can't just... Like making jumps into skill at this game is really hard. Like big jumps, you know. I think yeah. that I think that like anything. yeah. But I and I think it's really really pronounced. But what's really interesting about this game is that there is that variance factor. So it may seem like those jumps happen. Like if you're just playing better magic overall, and then all of a sudden one tournament things like you don't mulligan once the entire tournament, you yeah. know, like. Then all of a sudden you like you ace it, you fucking top eight it, yeah, you're losing you, the finals or whatever. Are you better at magic, or did you get lucky with variants at the same time? Right? right, and and like that's not to say that you aren't better at magic in that no. scenario, but like yeah, it's really tough to quantify precisely. Yeah. So. But then like it, it seems that the bad beats are always due to variants. Is there's there's a there's a group of people out there where that where that is true where Agreed. it's like. You know, why, like, how was your last match? Oh, yeah, but how did you play? Um, and so... Yeah, that, that I actually, straight up outward I'm, focus. Yeah, so it's not, it's not that I don't... It's not that I think you were wrong, Les. I mean, I think it's obviously it's a good point, right? It's just that, like, it almost goes without saying. We're all aware. We, we all play magic at a caliber where we're all aware of variance. And for us, variance is never an excuse. Even if it is the actual reason, there's, we could have done something. Yeah, you know, it's kind of what we're getting at. Yeah, there's always there's always ways to play better, and I mean, even Alexander Hay corrects his, you know, looks to correct every single play. So, you know, nobody's perfect. I guess is what it all comes down to. Yeah. So. Yeah, you can always improve. That's the point. Yep. Yeah, like Hay. I remember he. I don't know why I'm thinking about this. Where he. Ephraim mentions how Hay fucked up against him in a particular pro tour. Where Hayne forgot that he had the plus one Jace ability, um, uh, in so effect, it's like the Jace shrink. Yeah, and then that basically cost him the game because he he forgot to put it on the stack, I think, or something. So, you know, and and you know, he just takes that mistake and and tries to improve upon upon it all the time. So uh, he's someone that just looks forward all the time, and you know, that's something I admire about him. Nice. Well, did you guys watch some magic coverage this weekend? Nope. I totally did. No, you didn't. <laughs> Which leaves just Jared. I watched a bit of it. I actually watched Adrian Sullivan a bit just to see how 
once my again, favorite. my favorite his fucked up set his fucked up setup. <laughs> my favorite streamer caster is Adrian Sullivan. That's the wacky guy, right? Who also is an asshole and plays lands in front or lands upside down, even. <laughs> <laughs> he plays so, okay. all of his cards upside so down. So let's so he let's plays, like bullshit garbage Let's cover he's a good commentator. Let's like cover him. something right now. Okay. Adrian Sullivan actually is one of the nicest people I've met in the magic magic. Like Snap agree. Snap agree. He is he's actually Although, just amazing. Now that might not mean anything considering that Reed Duke, <laughs> former like, former fucking <laughs> guy, is turned heel. <laughs> <laughs> Over the Tarmogoyf business, he's turned. Yeah, through. yeah, yep. He was. He he was. Wasn't he a big jerk? He was a jerk. So you know, once a jerk, always a jerk. God. I should know better. Yeah, you should know better. You're falling into a trap, bro. I want to see you. Get you walked out. Something else. I should have <laughs> made you leave your key. You know, <laughs> whatever that song is. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's um no, it, Agent Sullivan's a really nice guy and the way that he plays magic is really rough on coverage. Yeah. Uh like really really rough for the viewer on coverage. We understand why he does it and it's fine and his reasoning is sound. Uh like I mean, how do you argue with him based on I've always played this way and here's why, but it's really really awkward to try to watch on coverage. And when you're watching them, watching him and PV, so PV's playing lands in front and Adrian Sullivan's playing uh, uh, lands in front upside down, and he's playing blue black, and PV's playing Esper Dragons. It is like in an untimed top eight match. It oh is... my god, fuck that. Right. <laughs> right. So, so even Willie, Willie Edel was like on Twitter, and he's like, Look, I love watching PV play magic and crush magic tournaments, but I am not sitting through that. Like, you cannot pay me enough money to sit yeah, and watch that. That is some bullshit. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I think it, uh, PV ended up going all the way almost to the end, right? He ended up splitting the finals with uh, uh, Chris Fennell, and yeah, Chris yeah. Fennell got the trophy. Uh, top eight was, as I'm scrolling through all these deck lists, come on, back, back, back. Uh, almost there. History so long. Uh, Chris Fennell's playing Green Red Devotion. There were actually three copies of Green Red Devotion in the top eight. Um... And he, I guess, PV was playing Esper Dragons. He was the only Esper Dragons pilot in the top eight. Uh, there was another blue black and Adrian Sullivan, blue black control, obviously. Mardu Dragons, uh, one mono red aggro and one Abzan mid range, which is actually just an Abzan Megamorph deck. They just labeled it wrong. So yeah, I mean, lots of who's who's in the top of the tournament, though. I mean, you're looking at like Adrian, uh, Seth Mansfield. Seth Mansfield came in ninth. Um, Eric Froelich came in tenth. By the look of it. Uh, who else you got? Chris, the calculator was in top 32. Caleb Durward, Lauren Nolan, Owen Sigris. Nickname like the calculator. Well, the calculator. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. It just sounds like the math leaks. Play in 65% plus of the GPs across the world all year. I'll give it to you. Because <laughs> that's what he does. He plays all the GPs. The fucking calculator, He's man. So good. Ridiculously good at magic and odds, as I understand it. He's and like the only pro that knows how tiebreakers work. Seriously, I would snap ask him about tiebreakers. Totally would. But uh, Marshall and um, Frank did coverage for that event. 
I was perusing through the YouTube archives today, very briefly. Um, seemed like they did a fine job, so that was okay. Uh, again, nobody... It was, it was super casual. It was yes. very casual, watching a bit of it. Yeah, I felt like it, it was, was just funny because Marshall was, like, taking shots at Rashad. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, wow, you can see shuffling hands through those buttons of the advertisement of that website. Yeah, this comes with three PB hands. That's a neat feature. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough to beat production quality that SCG puts out, especially for their invitationals. It's pretty intense. Um, so, in, so, this was the first, the SCG event was the first split standard and modern event. So normally the invitationals are uh, standard and legacy, but this one was standard and modern. So it's interesting because everybody that plays in the Star City circuits like that, they're pretty well known for playing one or maybe two legacy decks, right? So Joe Lissette has always been the Miracles guy, and Reduke always plays Miracles, and, you know, like so on and so forth. So what's interesting, or what was potentially very interesting, is what these players would play in modern. Because not all the same decks have parallels, and some of them may have less effective parallels, but you know, maybe they pilot it anyway because that's what they're used to, or a similar deck style, you know? So it was, it was really interesting. I was really interested to see what people were going to play and what that metagame ended up shaping up to be like. And as it turned out, there's a lot of Tron and Amulet. Does Ugin get played in Tron? He does now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So most so the initial Ugin list or the initial Tron list tried to like jam four Ugins and it was just bad because yeah. Tron wants to go to seven. It doesn't want to go to eight. Oh, I see. But uh like Ali Antrazi ended up winning the whole thing, actually. And he won with Green Red Tron. And he played two copies of Ugin the Spirit Dragon and three copies of Oblivion Stone. Normally Tron plays, you know, like four Oblivion Stones and you know, not any Ugins or before Ugin came out, but Ugin basically does a lot of what Oblivion Stone does while it still sticks around on the board mm. and continues to kill your opponent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was uh, so the two of I, two of I think is correct. Like I don't think I'd play many more, uh, but the four Karn is certainly there. And and yeah, he his deck looked pretty lean, man. It it did the job. So he's playing two copies of Boil in his sideboard, which are pretty funny. Boil is a red sorcery for. Uh, red and three. It was printed in seventh edition. It is actually an instant, rather, and it says destroy all islands. Some of these ridiculous hosers still exist in mod. That's one. But yeah, it was pretty sweet. He uh, he actually ended up place uh, fighting against Chris Van Meter, good old CVM, the beard himself. Uh, in the finals, uh, Chris has been a top eight invitational competitor before. And ended up taking his version of Amulet Bloom almost to the top. Just missed. Just shy. And played really well. And Matthias Hunt was actually fortunate enough to run the coverage on both of CVM semifinals and final matches. Which is really, really nice from a viewer perspective. Because uh, he himself is a very proficient Amulet Bloom pilot. So he was able to, you know, these, these board states with Bloom get so complex with all the million lands and how many plays are left and bounce and what does it straight into and how many lands can you, how many manas can you tap with multiple amulet figures out and so on and so forth. And having 
Matthias in the booth talking about what the play line should look like and what he should be looking to do. And it was very, very, very helpful. I mean, you know, not only for me who actually understands the deck and what it's doing, but I can only imagine for people that have no idea what's happening, it, it's really, really big boon. So whether it was intentional or accidental, I don't care. It made the enjoy it made the viewing experience really enjoyable. So but yeah, Chris decided to play one main deck Dragon Lord Dramoka in his Amulet Blue Dramoka. deck as another six drop. Yeah, because he can't be countered and your opponents can't cast spells on your turn. So it's pretty sweet. Big fat flying lifelinker. Titan number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Titan number five. But yeah, it was uh it was it was good. It was it was a really good event, and it was nice to watch. Uh, Josh Ravitz came in third with Jund, Richard Adams with Merfolk in fourth. Uh, Green Red Tron showed up again in fifth place. It fell to the to Richard Adams, the Merfolk pilot, and uh, Abzan Company was there, like the the uh, Green White Black Coco deck that was trying to. It's very much like Birthing Team Pod. Coco. Yeah, it was like Birthing Pod without the uh, without the pods. Uh, Kyle Bogamus was playing Grixis Twin and. Uh, also, Tariq Patel, who is a local guy to me, as I understand it, from Toronto, uh, ended up placing seventh. He top-aided the event, so congratulations to him. And uh, he was also playing Amulet Bloom. He was one of the undefeated players coming out of the Swiss, uh, in fact, and fell to Chris Van Meter, or beat Chris Van Meter and stayed undefeated. One of the two. But yeah, it was pretty neat. Good, it's a good hometown story. Which is always a value. So, uh, yeah, the uh, the Origins Game Fair uh, sounded like it was was really well run this year from the people that were going that uh, that I had heard from. So that's always nice to know. And Charlotte's coming up, so it, that is of course a modern GP. Very interesting to see what happens with our modern metagame. Um, yeah, Jerry posted a list today that uh, Shrout Andrew Shrout forwarded a daily with. It's a it's a revised version of Burn. Uh, Burn lately in modern has been kind of branching out into many colors. It used to just kind of be like mono red, all mountains bolts kill you. It was red black for a while when Bump in the Night came out because it's like Bump is another you know four lightning bolts basically. And then Boros Charm was getting splashed as well, you know, because then they could play Helix and Lightning and, um, sorry, uh, Boros Charm and Helix. So that was kind of like also good for the mirrors. And very recently at the Pro Tour that Seth Manfield played, he was playing actually three colors. He was playing Naya Burn uh, so that he would have access to uh, a Tarkus command. So Burn itself has seen a lot of different colors. But here we have Shrout. Basically going with Jund Burn and playing four Goblin Guide, four Swift Spear, four Eidolon, uh, four Atarkus Command, four Lightning Bolt, four Searing Blaze, four Lava Spike, four Rift Bolt, four Bump in the Night, and three copies of Tazigur the Golden Fang. So there are, few, yeah. there are a few things that are as obnoxious as Goblin Guide, Swift Spear, Bolt You, Bolt You, Fetch Land, Fetch Land, Tazigur. Oh yeah, I'm trying to stay alive. Oh shit, there's a four or five. Yeah, I think I played against that today. 
uh, when you were saying I didn't see the Tassiger, but it was running uh the what's that thing the two mana sacred white or green creature and four copies of self inflicted wound in the sideboard. Of this. Yeah, three destructive revelry, two rending volley, one skull crack, two anger of the gods, three molten rain, four self inflicted wound. Let me tell you, if you are looking for a deck for Charlotte. You would be hard pressed to not play this deck. Like this, this if you've not played modern before, this is a sweet fucking deck. So, yeah, it is very is all totally and very straightforward. Self-inflicted wound does a lot of good job against uh, a bunch of the decks that are actually in the format. Plus, it nugs for two. Like super good against uh, scavenging ooze. It's good against tarmogoyf. Like it's a very nice, clean answer, and it still nugs them along the way. So. It's uh, it looks pretty good. The mana looks fine as well. We're still playing, you know, like nine fetch lands. You get to play copper line gorges and black cleave cliffs, so you get to play some fast lands, which is kind of nice too. So yeah, it's uh, that that's up on the uh, on the Star City Games uh, daily deck digest for Thursday. So it's stood uh, no, for Thursday for Monday rather. It it stood out, and I thought I, I thought I would mention. I think it looked pretty good. So yeah. Charlotte, modern. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised that uh, I didn't. I didn't watch the match. Um, I guess you did, Scott. Isn't Amulet? Shouldn't it be probably favored against the Green Red Tron deck? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, yep, should be. It's not even. I, I actually, Ali went on Twitter before the match to basically say, "I can't beat Blue." Like, like I don't expect to win a single game. <laughs> and then he proceeded to three zero, Chris. So. I think um, there was uh, there were some lines that I think Chris had some opportunities like game one I think where uh, he could have instead of grabbing the counter spell if he grabs like the the uh, summoner's pact the, and then goes yeah, the yeah and then bounces the Tillary West to gets a second one like he had these these like subtle little lines that uh, Matthias is pointing out that may have won him games sort of earlier but as a result like. It's the small little things. The thing about Amulet is people say it's really hard to play properly. And I think the reality is, is that if you fuck up at all, like it's catastrophic. Yeah. That's a problem. <laughs> right? Like if you play perfectly, the deck's insane. And if you don't, uh, you'll fuck it up. You know, you, you just provide too many windows. You, you know, it, it can be very glass cannony and you need to be prepared for that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm seeing like uh, I'm just quickly looking as well at the modern open that was also won by Green Red Shrine. Yeah, so that is pretty impressive. Um, seeing the adoption of Ugen is is impressive since I had asked Cedric what he thought. You know, initially and, he was not in the Ugen camp. Yeah, he was not. He thought he he couldn't see the fit, but I guess it's taking away slots. Um, from some of the less important cards, like some people are definitely shaving on the number of relics that they are playing. Um, I'm looking quickly at these lists. I guess it's still a very diverse format. And if like Grixis Twin isn't going to be a huge part of Charlotte, then like Amulet Bloom is is definitely one of the better decks to play. Problem is, again, you need to have the experience, right? Um, Bloom has a tough time also against Jun. Like, it's not an excellent matchup by any stretch. Um, and like you said, the twin decks can just, like, Blood Moon you and your dad. 
So, I mean, those are certainly two decks to look at for. I I think Blood Moon's going to be all over Charlotte. I mean, you've got two decks that rely on lands that basically took top, top billing at this event, plus it won... Plus Tron won the, the other one. Like I'm, I'm willing to wager that there's going to be a ton of Blood Moons. Plus Blood Moon, by the way, was bought out and is now sixty fucking dollars for the white bordered ninth edition. Version. Jesus. Well, that's that's actually really crazy, <laughs> right? So yeah, it there was there was a, a big run on and to buy them out before uh, this event. So it, I expect to see quite a few Blood Moons, quite a few. So if you aren't ready for Blood Moon. You're gonna probably get dead. Um, also, I think that Affinity is just a bad place to be right now, too. So these are two sort of pieces of the format, in case people care. Artifacts aren't safe anymore. Between Grixis Twin and Jund, both playing Colgun's Command, main deck, it's just artifacts aren't where you want to be. They're just not safe. Yeah, and I'm actually surprised that, uh, well, in the open at least, which I imagine have a more diverse metagame that. In fact, was able to squeeze uh, two copies in the top eight, given the fact that Cole against Command is one of the best cards against it that I've seen in a while. Because you can kill, not only can you kill a dude, but you can also destroy a Blickbuff Nexus with this, the same card. Oh, yeah. So, so that is something very scary. Of course, you know, it is three mana. So the Infecta, I haven't actually played it out. The Infecta can really maneuver around that because our spells are. Well, as a past Infect guy, our, our spells are a lot cheaper, yeah. so we can do that. But it seems very valuable to be able to be, like, two damage to a Glistener Elf and then destroy Blink Moth, uh, Ink Moth Nexus as well. So, uh, or Spellskite. Or Spellskite. So, so just that seems like the best card that puts a nail into Infect, but I guess not yet. And uh, we'll see how... I'm interested to see how... The popularity of in fact goes as we move towards uh charlotte uh no boggles in the top 32 here so nope. as expected for me <laughs> Lo- local guy casper so uh came in 11th at that modern open so that's pretty neat bernie wen cincinnati boy came in ninth the boz in eighth uh ryan dunn is well known on the circuit um so that's that's good for him dylan donegan of course uh, the last invitation or two t- invitational winner two runs ago, something uh, like that. Yeah, Rudy Bricks. Obviously, we've had uh, no shortage of interactions with on social media and, the- and otherwise. Uh, good guy from the Baltimore area. Yeah, Reed Duke, Justin Uppel. Wow, lots of people. Tom Ross playing Soul Sisters in twenty third. He said it overperformed. Huh. Yeah, he said he only played against Burn once, and it, it he overperformed otherwise against all the other decks. He was pretty impressed. Must have lost a bet, but was pretty impressed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, all in all, uh, I, it sounds like it was a good event, and there's lots of information to be processed out of here. So, if you guys are are looking for your modern fix, uh, it's it's happening. The modern. Spikes are occurring in terms of price. Uh, we, we're entering into a modern pre-TQ season. So that being said, there's uh, a lot of demand for some staples. I'm not surprised to start seeing random shit get about getting bought out. Uh, I'm interested. If, if we were going to Charlotte, what would we each play? EDH. <laughs> okay, EDH versus J, but I'm really curious about Scott and Jer- Jeremy's answer. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, I don't think it's, it's it's no surprise. I mean, I I just 
run Team Geist. Uh, I think that the deck is still fine. We uh, we're continually working on sideboard, and uh, although Tron can be a tough matchup, I think that uh, we're we're very likely. If I were going to to play this weekend, I'd be looking at a non-zero number of Aven Mind Sensors in my list. Um, Jason's streaming right now. I haven't checked out what uh, what he's actually streaming with tonight, but this week I plan on streaming a bunch of Modern since the queues are still paying out in Modern Masters, so uh, I'll jump in some Modern queues and, and jam some of that, but uh, I'm looking to test out uh, Ojitai and Baneslayer Angel and Karanos right now um, in my list instead of some of the more uh, exciting top-end stuff, and Jun's return to the format means a lot of different things. Um, it really shakes up a lot of the deck selections. Colagon's command has a lot of a, a lot of effect, like you said, infect and, and affinity. Both are sort of catching some real incidental splash hate from that card. Um, and both decks are playing, you know, two to three of them in the seventy-five between Grixis Delver and Grixis Twin, and and just the Grixis control decks, and then of course Jun. Um, so the those, card is really good. It's such a Jun card. It really is a Jun card, and and what's interesting, I think Jerry talked about it on his on the show with Cedric on Set Talks, and like all of the effects themselves are fairly mediocre. Like Shock is just Shock, Ray's dead, Raven's crime, you know, and uh, and and like a, a, a smash, right? I mean, these are all one mana effects, and you staple two of them together for three mana, but you get to pick which two you want. And the fact that it's an instant, I think, allows it to be that extra little bit of tricksy, right? Like, you can still, oh, yeah. you know, if you've got them, what makes it really powerful in Jund is you can use it as a way to, to kill their top deck. Oh, yeah, like, that's, I had, I had a Grixis opponent do that to me, where we were literally, like, ripping off the top of our deck. He holds onto a card. On my draw step, he returns a Snapcaster and gets me to discard my card during my draw step. So, Snapcaster and Colgan's Command is pretty fucking gross. Well, yeah, you just start stacking all these value things on top of each other. It's just, ugh. Yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty gross. I'm, uh, I, I'm pretty pleased with it. If, if I weren't so already invested and committed with the cycles for Team Guys, like, I would 100% be looking at, like, a, probably Grixis Twin. I've never been a fan yeah, of, see, of Delver strategies, but Grixis, Grixis Twin, I play the shit up. Or Junt. Like, both of them are fun. Yeah, I'm trying Jund out right now, and I'm just seeing, like, I have to feel like Jund with a lot of, like, land hate is just going to be kind of, like, the place to be, because, like, the biggest modern tournament that we've had recently is obviously the Invitational, and we saw two land-reliant decks that yeah. are on top, so Blood Moon is a big deal. Um, Blood Moon not so big against Red-Green Tron, it's actually kind of not as bad as any sort of land removal because they can just cast one coil engine. Like yep. their deck is capable of just finding lots of land very quickly and still casting one coil engine. Uh, and also being able to cast uh, like the oblivion stone and stuff like that. Uh, Blood moon obviously hurts uh, amulet way more, but the fact that like both those decks can just get really hated out by Jund if it turns, you know, kind of it's, it's, it's targets on that. I think that really opens up potentially like mono red. It's just it's what deck what deck gets dodged uh, by this this direction like this switch over to going uh, land kill heavy because uh, I I think that's the direction people are going to go. So is this like 
is this like one of those weird tournaments where I should be playing my dredge deck because graveyard hate's going to fall through? Or is this one of those tournaments where mono red's the way to go because they're going to get rid of their life gain cards? Um, I don't think artifacts is a chance because, again, Cold Gun's Command is being played in multiple decks and it just pushes uh, Affinity out in game one in spots. Yeah. But... You know, like, there's something out there. Maybe the control decks are, like, the place to be right now. Like, maybe, like, some sort of, like, heavy Sean McLaren uh, American control thing. So the the nice thing is, is it really depends on on what matchups you get. Because everyone's still going to play wide open field decks. So you just kind of have to be prepared oh, yeah. for it all. Yeah, and that's that's the the wonderful thing, you know, where it goes right back to when we had McLaren on after the Pro Tour and all that stuff. Just said, you know, pick a deck you're good with and play the crap out of it. Yep. Because as much as you'll run into a meta that's full of all kinds of stuff, you could easily dodge the most popular deck yep. the whole way through the tournament. Yeah. So, KYT, there's your answer. So I'd play Team Guys. Jared's playing Jund right now. What would you play? Um, Jared, like, Blood Moon was... Historically, I'm trying to remember, Blood Moon was also good against Jund, right? Yeah. Uh, so it can be, yeah, for sure. The land's huh. very greedy. Uh, you're seeing a lot of the Jun lists that are getting played right now are running four basics. So that helps out. Um, even getting to a point where, like, you're seeing aggressive Jun builds that are bringing back Mr. Bob, and you're seeing people default grab those basics in game one situations because they want to keep their life total high to get Bob to do work. Right. I think if you're playing Jund without Bob right now, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, if you're playing like a really like mid rangey, but like even the Jund decks that are happening right now, like it just seems like their their curve is just a little bit lower than where it used to be. Right, which makes Bob good. Yeah, exactly. Which makes Bob good. Right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So maybe we'll see that resurgence of the. Some people will undoubtedly in- play. Uh, bring back like some sort of blood uh, blue moon deck or something um, this weekend. Yep. Uh, what I would play, I mean, if I had practice, I would play Amulet Bloom. I was down on the deck because I didn't think um, I didn't think it was for real for a long time, and uh, felt it was like it. Well, it is probably a, still a high variant strategy, but a powerful one at that. And after talking with Alex a lot, Hayne, that is. Uh, he said he that's a deck that he would be snap playing for sure. Um, he's been saying that for a while now, since uh, doing well with it at the last Mar GP was at, and um, and I, now that I'm seeing more and more consistent results from it, if I was well practiced, that's a deck I would play. If not, I would just fuck around with John because it it seems pretty sweet right now uh, with Colgan's command and, and all the cards in. Obviously, I do want uh, the deck that I know will give me a shot against most matchups. That's how I like to play uh, Modern, and so that would be the deck that I would play. Um, but uh, if you guys have experience with Amulet Bloom at all, then I would jam that 100%. Because like, like, like how I elected to jam, in fact, I would want a more powerful strategy than something like if I really wanted to win, then to play something like John, which is, uh, if there's a powerful strategy that I like, then I would lean towards that more in modern than a 50, 55, 45, like type of deck. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. In, in modern, it's, it's tough, right? Like there is always the draw to just do something absurd. Cause there are a bunch of other decks that are just doing things that are absurd. Yeah. 
So, and you just have as John, you just have good cards, but then there's like some draws that you just can't beat, and yep. you're just like, "Fuck my life." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and you got Thoughtseize to try to hedge, but it's not, it's not always going to get you there. Yeah, yeah, but very excited for the results, and uh, always excited to see the continual continuing evolution of uh, Team Geist. Yeah. Yeah, there's just there's so many sweet cards I want to try. Like I just I'm really down on uh Batter Skull right now, just with Colgan's command being so prevalent. Um so and and I'm trying to really evaluate how scared or how much I give a crap about the Coco decks is really what it comes down to. Cause I just don't know. Like the collected company decks and how much respect I have to give them. Like a lot of people are saying they're really not that good and you know, but they're like absurd value trains, so you know, they're their resource generation is pretty tough to get through, so I'm not not settled yet. I'm gonna test out some stuff and see what happens. But uh, but yeah, I've got uh, Abzan Megamorph in standard and Team Geist in modern. I'm I feel like we're in a pretty good place. So uh, so let's so do we want to talk about origins? Do we want to talk about your boo set? What do we want to do? What's next? I'd say about origins. Okay. What are origins? So there were some magic origin spoilers that came out. And I'm not 100% sure where they came from, per se. But some news that I did. I think they came from the internet. Not the internet. Yeah. I know. But, um,. One of the things that came up that was pretty interesting is that Scry is coming back as an evergreen mechanic. They're finally evergreening the mechanic for this core set. So what does that even mean? Okay, so uh, a mechanic that's evergreened is like a mechanic like Trample or First Strike. It's a generic uh, keyword ability that can appear in multiple sets. So it's no longer a tool that will be a mechanic for a set. It's a generic mechanic through all sets. I see. That's that's basically what it comes down to, is that now you can see Scry in every in set. In every set. I see. Okay. Yeah. Now, the one that's interesting is that they've made Prowess an evergreen mechanic as well. Yeah. Because it was a blue combat mechanic, and they've wanted to have one for a very long time. So it's uh, it's pretty interesting. But one of the cards that they put out as an example is the Jessian Thief, which is an uncommon in uh, the new Magic Origin set. It's uh, blue two for a one three with prowess. Wow! That says whenever it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. A strictly better scroll thief. Strictly better scroll thief. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Right. So they're not fucking around this time. I don't. <laughs> Uh, but we're still doomed with terrible removal. Jay, you'll be happy to know. Yeah, sweet. Lightning Javelin. Red 3 <laughs> for a sorcery. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite. Deals 3 damage to target creature or player. Scry 1. Total... What the fuck? Lightning Bolt is is fine, but if you had Scry to Lightning Bolt, you better put 4 extra mana and make it a sorcery. <laughs> yeah. So. Hey, it was broken at 3 mana, okay? Still terrible. Fuck, that's unbelievably bad. <laughs> And I would pay the four at at common for an instant, but it is what it is. Uh, a new mythic came out. 
which is uh, Avaricious Dragon, Red Red that 2 for a 4-4 four, four. Flyer Mythic. Yeah, because it's a, it's a Red Mythic, so it has to be a fucking... Dragon. Dragon. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of your draw step, draw an additional card. So that's cool. It's pretty good in red. At the beginning of your end step, discard your... <laughs> Yeah, so that's pretty shitty, because this guy doesn't have fucking haste. I knew you were going to say that. Hey, do you like paying four mana to discard your hand? Because we also gave it wings. (laughs) The first ability teased you, Jay. (laughs) Yeah. What a bunch of fucking garbage. Like, if this card had haste, is that too powerful somehow? Like, probably, yeah. Yeah. So this this emblem is the same like this is the same as the Soren Dragon or Soren uh Sarkin Dragon Speaker's emblem, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, I think so. I don't yeah. know. Who's ever used that ability? I have. I have. Really? Yeah. But here like if your opponent kills a dragon on his turn, you're just absolutely fucked. Yep. And they can do that now with sorcery speed removal, so <laughs> Problem. It's funny. Yeah, so this guy is like the worst master of feast, like type of high upside but high downside as well. Oh man, master of feast! I forgot about that card. <laughs> that card is like so good in cube, but so bad in every regular. <laughs> hey, people have tried it in mono black aggro. Yeah, that's um, true. I don't know how, how good the results were, but I've, it's beaten my face a few times when I couldn't draw like the Abzan charm I needed to get rid of it. Did we already talk about like the Liliana when I wasn't on the show probably? Because uh, I, I have no idea what you three think about it. I don't even remember it. All right. Liliana, heretical healer. Heretical. Heretical healer. Black- Hi! Heretical! Black, <laughs> black, black, one, two, three, legendary creature, human cleric. Lifelink. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, exile Liliana, then return her to the battlefield transformed under her owner's control. If you do, put a 2-2 black zombie creature token onto the battle. I actually think this card is stupidly busted. Read it. Read it again. I want to. Sure. Okay. Really get so let's 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 soak into the flavor of this. Yeah. Okay. So she's a healer. Okay. So she's a two-three life link for three. Still fine. It's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, so whenever a, a creature that's not a token that you control, that is not Liliana, goes to the graveyard, you exile Liliana. Okay. You then return her to the battlefield transformed as a planeswalker, which we'll get into in a minute. But then you also put a 2-2 black zombie creature onto the battlefield. So you basically take the dead creature, turn it, get all freaked out about it, turn into a planeswalker, and like, no, no, you will not die. You will return as a 2-2 zombie to do my bidding. So if you think about it, Liliana transforms into a planeswalker and comes with a body to protect herself. It's pretty good. Wow, yeah. Although we don't know what her abilities are, right? Yes, we do. Like the planeswalker? Yes. 
She starts at three loyalty. She becomes Liliana Defiant Necromancer. Starts out with three loyalty. Each player, so plus two, each player discards a card. Plus two. Oh, wow. Okay. Minus X, return target target non-legendary creature card with converted mana cost X or less from your graveyard to the battle. So you flip her, you can return a three and she dies. You flip her, you discard. You can return a five and she dies or a four or whatever. Okay. Minus eight. So that's a lot. But you get an emblem with whenever a creature dies, return it to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of the next end step. That's pretty good. That's like, that's, that's, that's like, an, that's like an unbeatable emblem. That's right? one of those game breakers, right? Yeah. So I think she's like super busted. The fact that she brings along the body to tra- to like protect herself as a planeswalker is silly. Yeah, that's like very good. So silly. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty impressed. I think she's gonna be pretty cool. Now I mean like she's obviously like nearly unbeatable and limited, but Yeah, Im- impact on constructed. Hmm. I mean this seems like a good enough card. I mean, I'm 90% sure that this seems sees play in uh, Abzan Collective Company. Like, this seems like a great card for that deck. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. But otherwise, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know where else I would play this. I wouldn't play this in Junt. I wouldn't play it in regular Abzan Midrange. I think in Standard, there's lots of room for this. Like, lots and lots of room. But uh, yeah, it could be could be pretty pretty powerful, pretty awesome. Because in the Abzan deck, it would like compete with the Corsair slot, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to think of where it fits. Uh. Yeah. Now, I mean, like post, we don't we we have very limited information, right? Like we don't know what's happening with the rotation. We don't know what's happening with Zendikar. Like, like I I don't. This could be really super silly post rotation. Like could be. Hmm. I might, well, I gotta break her before that, so. (laughs) So, yeah, Uh, but she's pretty sweet. Um, We've seen Chandra as well, I think, unofficially. Uh, I thought I saw a, I don't know. There are Uh, people who are getting very. We don't know if it's real or fake. Yeah, there's lots of very good people at that whole real or fake game. Yeah, we'll just wait. <laughs> but it looks really close. Chandra Fire of Kaladesh. Red, red, one. Legendary creature, human, shaman for a 2-2. Whenever you cast a red spell, untap Chandra Fire of Kaladesh. Okay? Tap. She deals one damage to target player. Huh. If Chandra has dealt three or more damage this turn, exile her. Ugh. Then return her to the battlefield transformed under her own control. If she's dealt three or more damage this turn? Or if, like... if she has dealt three or more damage. Now, what that means, this could very well be that you attack with her for two, you cast a red spell, you yeah. untap her, you tap her to deal one damage to target player, she transforms. Yeah. Okay? Which means that's probably not the ability, because wizards wouldn't make a Chandra that's even close to playable. So you flip her over and she has four, t- four uh, loyalty. Plus one, deals two damage to target player. Minus two, two damage to target creature. 
minus seven, deals six damage to each opponent. Each player dealt damage this way gets an emblem with, at the beginning of your upkeep, this emblem deals three damage to you. <laughs> so, Fearing Vortex? Yeah. I don't know, it's interesting. Looks looks pretty legit, but uh who knows? I like it's it's interesting, right? Like I like the whole attack on attack cast a spell and like it's any spell. Right? So it would be like attack for two on like cast a creature, untap her, deal one, flip her over, plus one, deal two damage to you again. Like the fact, that, so the thing I really like about these transform like creature planeswalkers is that you can do stuff with them as creatures, and then when they transform, they're gonna come back and enter the battlefield untapped, ready to go, and like you can use their abilities right away. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, like that's, that's what makes them powerful, right? Agree. So it's almost like the morph land, right? Where you could like attack, and then if they blocked it or tried to kill it, you just like morph it into a land. Yes. Yes, exactly. I didn't even realize right. that that would be that powerful. That makes a lot of sense. Shit. Right. Like that's a nice little trick that you get, right? You like blank their removal, or you cause them to block a morph guy because they're afraid of, like, if you they let through something big. Yeah. You know the the threat of activation. Yeah. So I think uh, it, I think these planeswalkers are going to be really neat, so long as they're all like well costed, like. The Jace could be really exciting. The Gideon could be really exciting. They could all be fucking terrible, but... Yeah, that's... Yeah. Stranger things have happened. So, yeah. Yeah. I like it. Uh, Jiraga Invocation was an uncommon. So, green, green, four. Each creature you control gets plus three, plus three until end of turn, and must be blocked this turn if able. So, it's like a bad overrun. Yay, bad overrun. Uh, there are... Looks like there's a cycle of auras, which basically give, like, a small boost and then an ability. It's like Infernal Scarring, uh, Grasp of the Hyromancer, and Mantle Web. They all cost two as well. Grasp of the Hyromancer is going to be a good limited card. Uh, gets plus one, plus one, and has whenever this creature attacks, tap target creature, depending player controls. Agree. Completely agree. Yeah, I think it will be good. Shambling Ghoul, 2-3 for 2 mana, then enters a battlefield tapped, and it's a zombie. Yeah, that card is, I don't know, that card seems bad. Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess, it's, I guess it blocks all of your other, your opponent's grizzly bears, like, afterwards, but, like... Yeah. I don't know, like, is that, like, Diagraph Ghoul was a 2-2 two, two for 1, so then at least, like, you got to, like, at least it did something, you know? Yeah. It's gonna really depend on what the rest of... Like, I guess how good the threes are? Yeah. 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 Like, if the threes just trade with this every time, then this is the same as a 2-2. Two, two. Agree. So then, like, why play it, right? Agree, like, agree. Um, yeah, Reeve Soul is an interesting card. Uh, black one for sorcery, destroy chart creature with power three or less. I like that card. Fine, right? Deadbridge Sham is the annoying card. The three uh-huh. one for three, when uh-huh. it dies... They discard a card like "fuck you." <laughs> it's a more annoying, like ravenous rat or whatever type card because this guy can actually trade for something significant. Yeah, the- like he, so. they can actively trade into your guys, and like then it's like, like they're getting <laughs> they're getting so much value off of you. Yeah, 
So he's annoying fuck. Yeah, and, or you or you just eat three a turn and he's a true name nemesis and that's also bad. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. They've uh, finally made Goblin War Drums and made it its own, uh, given it its own yeah, keyword. It's, 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 it's oh, man. How good is that? And you know what is fucking a piss off is that they listened to the show and they stole that idea from me. <laughs> if you go back. Do you know what it's called, Jay? Yeah, what do you, it's what do you think Menace. It's called? Menace. Yes. This guy is menacing, and that's the perfect word for it. But fuck. <laughs> fuck. I, had, I talked about that the last three episodes. That's the mechanic. Fuck. Menace is also a card uh, designed or uh, a type to design to replace Intimidate. So Intimidate is being put into mothballs. Thank God. Which I, uh, I found that weird because like Intimidate just kind of showed up and I yeah I read the article and I didn't really understand all the problems they were claiming people were having with Intimidate. I never really... It was just they don't want cards that are hard to interact with. I guess. Like, it's like a 2-2 two, two for 3 that can't be blocked except by red creatures hard to interact with. Like, I never found that. Well, it was just like the case of, like, like Island Walk made a lot of sense because they love to, like, keep land safe. They don't want people ever in a, a bad feels about playing land. Right. So what so. about what's their philosophy moving forward for, like, Hexproof and Shroud? Yeah. Well, they did uh, say... Well, Shroud is gone. Did... Shroud was retired. Yeah, they, when, and they, uh, did they, say, a... uh, they did say that not very many cards are going to have Hexproof in this set or whatever. Okay. They said they're, like, making that mechanic go away, basically, too. So, which is just, again, more like, let's, like, let's print more good creatures, more bad removal, and then let's... <laughs> like... Oh, you know, yeah. less good counterspell and discard. I have fond memories with Intimidate. Just, like... Because I, I, that's the when the mechanic existed, I won the PTQ with that 3-2 guy uh, in black that just, like, was an MVP at 4 mana because <laughs> oh, just yeah. kept getting in. <laughs> yeah, and well, and when... Uh, when a curse that, spirit, a curse spirit. Yeah, when that, and then when that red-green deck, the one that was, like, you'd play all the emissaries and then into, like, a hasty boar, that was a 3-3. Three, three. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. In the sideboard of that, there was all those Intimidator guys for when you played against the, I think it was the Control deck or something. That was like three mana, and I think they were two twos. They might have been three ones, but I'm pretty sure they were two twos. And you would just play those against anyone who wasn't playing red after sideboarding. You'd like sideboard four of them. <laughs> because they were just like, you just attacked, and then they had to use their removal on that, but you're playing red, so who cares? Now you just have a threat, right? Right, so, right. Yeah, I don't know. And it didn't seem like a too powerful move. Like, like especially in limited. I'm, I'm assuming they're talking mostly about limited. I don't think intimidate matters at all in other formats. But I didn't. Yeah, find I, it. I'm, I'm 100 percent sure that. Yeah. That's I didn't. I didn't really find it that oppressive. Like, it didn't. I never. I didn't really notice. I guess. I always thought like I had the sable or the that stupid two one panther. <laughs> oh yeah. That traded with every intimidate card ever printed. So I just <laughs> yeah, this didn't seem that bad to me. I guess. <laughs> but I guess like other people didn't want to draft those cards or something or what? <laughs> yeah, that's a a neat little thing where you might have to pick them late or or in the middle just so you could sideboard into those guys. Yeah, if yeah, you needed like, to or play them. Yeah, or play them anyway. They're just a they're just a grizzly bear. And it's limited. You're gonna be playing cards like that anyway. anyway. Yeah, yeah. Goodbye, intimidate. <laughs> Goodbye, intimidate. We'll miss you. <laughs> we hardly knew you. Well, in my fucking boo set, I'm gonna fucking make Intimidate come back. So fuck that. Suck on that. 
wizards. So how many weeks behind are we in hearing about your boot set? Uh, well, I talked about it at length last week. Oh. And I think I talked about it. I did an entire podcast, basically, about it with Jack McCroy and Jeff Good, called Not Another Magic Podcast, where they said that we don't normally talk about magic, but then they talked about magic with me the whole time. So. So la di da, Jack LaCroix. But uh, we, I mean, we can talk about it. I haven't really worked on it this week per se. Okay. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like, it kind of depends, I guess, on what you want to know. But um, it's like it's coming along. I've made more spells. The other day, I made like about ten cards. Um, I got in kind of a little bit of a groove, and I just made a bunch of cards. And uh, it's coming. It's coming along farther. We're changing. Like we're at the stage right now where we're changing a lot of cards. Oh, because like um, okay. I talked about this. I talked about this in the last episode. The, the guy that does the thing, whatever, where he like does the Cole's notes of our episode mentioned it. Yeah. But um, I talked about just like how if you like like sometimes what'll happen is you'll create a new magic card and you forget to look at the old magic cards. And you're like, oh, whoops, I created an infinite combo. I guess I have to change some right, of these. Right, right, um, so right. So I'm in the process of, like, that stuff happening. Um, but it's good, because the cards that we end up changing the, the old cards to end up becoming better, like, flavorfully, they're more fun, and stuff like that. And they're just, they're just, it's nice to have different cards instead of cards that are just kind of the same. Like, they do very similar things, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but, like, I'm almost done all the not i wouldn't say all the main characters but i'm done a lot of the the like big characters uh not including any of like the arabic characters or whatever you want to call that part of the world the dornishman no dorn is from the seven kingdoms the ones that are across the narrow well, the dothraki well yeah like there's not really a whole lot of dothraki anyway but then there's like all the miranese and all them too <laughs> right like there's the the Miranese people, then there's like the masters, then there's like those I don't know, like Zeros on Daxos, and there's all these guys, right? Yeah. yeah. But I haven't really created any of them because they're not I don't know they're not really important, and the the flavor of the set feels like it's a Westeros set and not a Dothraki Sea set. Sure. So. Cool. Yeah. So it's coming along. Actually, I had a lot of people. Uh, I was surprised, but I had some people on Twitter that said that they would like to play it like once it's done yeah and i was like oh, i had no i i would i never considered that as like an option i had like never thought of that really um like i didn't think anybody would care to play it um i thought it would just be stuff that people want to kind of hear about but like i didn't think that they'd want to print off like my boo set and play it right it's not the it's not the booze cube you know mm-hmm. but yeah so i think that's gonna be interesting i'm gonna fucking maybe post that, maybe make a little article about it. Um, and then people can play Game of Thrones and tell me why they don't like it. Basically. Nice. Like, I think it'd be cool if me and you, fucking on some visit that we have, played Game of Thrones. Boo? Yep. Be fun, right? Yep. Would play. 100% would play. So, yeah. So it's coming along. I should be done soon, I think. Once, once other cards start kind of falling into place, we start doing things like we need a white removal spell. So you're na- like you're narrowed a little bit on what you need to to make because you have to make that card. Yep. Like we don't have a Doomblade yet, per, like for example. So like I'm eventually I'm going to get to the point where I have to make this Doomblade card, um, or something to that effect. 
So, you know, then it becomes easy. I'm not sitting around trying to think like, well, well what am I going to do now for this guy? Or what am I going to do in general? So, you start filling out slots. Yep. Well, I can't wait to see it finished. Me too, man. Holy. It's been like, a, it's only been a couple months, but it feels like it's just been forever. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, these are always exciting for you, for us to to, to hear from you. Yeah, you know, it's uh, we know that you you take it very seriously. You get involved, and you know you go deep. Yeah, well, that's kind of the idea, right? Like, I find if you don't, if you're just kind of fucking around, then like, I don't know, like, why, just make everything a fucking titan. Every card is a titan, <laughs> and just just play fun magic. Yep. Yep, I hear you. Nice. Well, I uh I'm dying to play some magic. Just yeah, you played none on your trip, hey? Fucking dying. I played none. None how so. was your trip? Like how was everything? Uh Yawn. Yawn was amazeballs. Okay. Um so I had a work trip for the first six days of my ten day excursion. Right. Okay. Um Two of them basically are travel days, but, uh, so I went to Rome and we got put up in this, uh, nice hotel, which was fine. Like some five-star hotel, which is weird because it was five-star by quality, not five-star by size. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like like it was a king size bed and the bed was nicely firm and the pillows sucked and the ceilings were high and they were ornate. And yeah, like it, was, it was nice. It was fancy. But it was it fancy, like... but it wasn't comfortable. There was like yeah. no room to move around. Like we had a pile of suitcases, you know. Right. So like eh, European five star versus European North five American. star versus like North American closet, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was fine. You know, how much time do you spend in the room anyway? As really? I as I found out, like more than I thought, I think, in Rome because the jet lag sucks balls. Like, oh, really? six hours ahead. That is a big deal. Now, you don't yeah. think it's a big deal when you're, like, partying at whatever hour in the, e- in the morning, and you think, oh, whatever, it's only, like, 11 o'clock, it's no big deal, I'm hammered, it's the morning time, whatever. Um, but then you get up for your business meeting at, you know, 9 a.m. Rome time, and yeah. it's fucking 3 in the morning. And you want to die. Especially when you're hungover. Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, so the trip was good. Like we, our flight was delayed. Alitalia sucks so bad. I can barely contain myself. Um, that was our, our flight provider on the way over. If you have any options ever to fly, don't ever take, don't them. Ever take them. Don't ever. Like why? How was the flight? It was fucking miserable. The staff are rude. Um, oh. the plane smelled, um, like butts, like butts. The seats were tiny and not comfortable. Food was abysmal and how long was your flight eight and a half hours oh my actual butts actual butts actual fucking butts literally i had to buy i had to buy earplugs eye mask neck pillow and in order for me to in order for my wife and i to get two seats together okay because you know like it's not enough to buy a plane ticket you have to like book your seat right Right. To check in and book your seat. Yeah, yeah. So we go to the counter to check in, okay, because the online check-in for the web for the the uh airport is so bad. 
that we go to check in when we get to the airport, and oh no, no, there's no two seats together. Great. My wife doesn't fly well. Uh, if there are not two seats together, this is a non-starter. We were not leaving if we were sitting separately. Okay? So, I'm like, okay, well, what can we do? Like, there's got to be something we can do. And I'm like, well, we can upgrade you to, like, the Economy Plus for, like, 200 euros. Jesus. Wow. I'm like, you guys are crooks. But what choice do I have? So I fucking upgrade my flight. We sit in literally next to the emergency door in front of the ship. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yes, I had a lot of space for my feet. Uh, but often that space was taken up by people that were in line to use the shitter on a fucking transatlantic <laughs> flight with terrible food overnight. <laughs> I'm dying. Oh, my God. That is okay. fucking hilarious. It was really bad. So, okay, next thing's next, right? So we finally land, and we land in Rome, and we're supposed to land, because our, our flight was delayed three hours, we were supposed to land with plenty of time to, like, drive the hour, or, like, what, was, what should be, like, a, a 35-minute ride to our hotel from the airport, and get there in time, unpack, relax, shower, maybe take a nap, whatever, and then go to our 7 o'clock fucking, uh, like, business Dinner, gathering, right? Drinks, cocktails, food, whatever. Right. And so we, since our flight was so late, we finally get all of our luggage. We finally get everything all together. We finally get onto the bus. And it's like 5 o'clock. Okay? We're like, fuck. What's going on? And so it's rush hour in Rome. Now, I don't know how many of you know about traffic in Rome. But let me tell you. Traffic, like... The the laws for traffic are more guidelines than anything else. Yeah. Okay. Oh, exciting. So we're in this huge bus, right? Like a coach bus where we're driving. And there's some tour guide, and she's telling us all about the culture. And she's like, yes, this is our new airport. It's 20 years old. You can see that we recently had a fire. So we've been rebuilding it. The airport stinks like fire. It was disgusting. <laughs> we, get on the, we get on the bus. We're driving. And she's like, so as you can see, you know, uh, there are not a lot of rules. They're mostly guidelines, and people just kind of <laughs> do. Said that loud? Yeah, uh, yeah, it gets worse. And so you can see, like the Vespas that are driving around. You know, they kind of go in and out and weave a lot. And and uh, and she said, "Let me tell you, there are a lot of car accidents." There are actually, like, every day there is a fatality car accident in Rome. Every day. Every day somebody dies in a car in Rome. What the fuck? Okay. Oh, she my says, God. She says, if you are in an accident while you were in Rome, if you get hurt, pray that you die. Because the hospitals here are so bad, you would rather just die. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> We've been on the ground like 40 minutes when this comes out of her mouth. And we're in traffic so thick, so thick, it makes New York look like the fucking Autobahn. I was like, what are we doing? Like, how is this happening? It was, we literally could have walked faster, right? And probably safer, you know, because in any given moment, we could just have four Vespas, like, in our ass. 
in the back of the bus through the window. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so sure enough, we end up. Uh, <laughs> so we end up finally getting to the hotel. It's six thirty. The thirty-five minute ride took an hour and a half. Okay, we arrive <laughs> at six thirty to then check into our hotel for our seven o'clock function. Uh, so we've been on a plane, uh, for the last, uh, we basically like have not cleaned ourselves in well over 16 hours. We have slept, we drank a fuck ton during the delay, right? Because what else do you do at the, at the, at the right. airport? So I smell like booze. I'm exhausted. Uh, I'm dirty and sweating in places that I, I'm just not comfortable talking about. And, oh, yeah, you have a half an hour to go get ready and join us. I'm like, get fucked. So we finally, so we take an hour, and we finally get ourselves together. And it's just like a golf shirt and slack sort of affair, right? So we end up, we end up there, and, and we just have a couple drinks and a few beers and, you know, a little bit to eat. And we're like, okay, well, we got to get out of here. We're, you know, we're dressed up. We're going to go. So, you know, we meet a couple of people that I know that are from, you know, like, I live in, in Toronto, or I work in the Toronto area. So. I meet some people that I know uh, pretty well from like the Hamilton area. And I'm like, okay, well we're going out to the pub. So there's an Irish pub down the road, down the road. So let's go to the Irish pub. So we go to the Irish pub. There's a group of like almost 10 of us and we close the pub and I am so drunk. Like I have like approximately eight or nine Guinnesses. And I think the shots came like, like it was, it was ridiculous. I was drunk. Okay. Not sloppy, disgusting, messing, falling over myself, puking drunk, but Scotty was loaded. So we get back to the hotel. We go to sleep. Oh, my God, I got this business meeting. I have to be up in just under five hours. So we go to sleep, and my alarm goes off at 7.30 in the morning, Rome time. Now, for those of you playing along at home, that's like getting drunk in the afternoon and then waking up at 1.30 in the morning to go to work. <laughs> okay? So I, I fall out of this bed. This sounds like a fucking National Lampoon's I fall out of bed. <laughs> like okay? I can just see Clark Griswold right now. It was now. so rough. I fall out of bed. I crawl into the bathroom. I plop myself up onto the toilet. I relieve myself. Okay? I turn on the shower, I climb in the shower, uh, and the lights turn off. <laughs> okay? Because they're on a timer if you don't have the fucking key in the door. Or the key in the wall. Okay, you put that, the hotel key in the wall? Okay. So they're on a timer. So I'm in the shower trying to get clean and the lights turn off. Oh my god. So I finish my shower, I get myself dressed, I get myself up to breakfast. Every morning we have to be at breakfast to sign in. Okay? Oh. So I get upstairs, I sign in for breakfast, I get this plate full of food, I have precisely three pieces of bacon, half a coffee, three mouthfuls of water, one Tylenol, one Advil, one Gravol, and I'm back in bed. <laughs> okay? I have a business meeting to attend in 25 minutes. I go downstairs, I go to my room, I lie down for 20 minutes, I get up, I go to my business Okay? We do two-hour business meeting, no problem. Come back to the hotel, sleep for six hours. Like, just fucking unconscious. There's no waking me, there's no rousing me, nothing. So I slept it off, tried to catch up, and then from there, the trip kind of got a little better. 
from there, from there was better. It was like at that point we had cut, I'd kind of like started to sleep off the, the jet lag. I had one more nap sort of like midday over the course of, and it was, uh, it was super helpful. So, but yeah, it was really nice. We, we went on a, we went on a Vespa tour. Uh, so, so this was, this was hilarious. So we end up, uh, one of the, the activities that we do is, is this Vespa tour. And so, uh, there were about 40 Vespas with drivers that are all parked uh, across across the boulevard from our hotel in front of this basilica. And so this this tour guide brings us over and they give us these, you know, necklace ra- or these like radios to wear around our neck and put these headpieces in. And then we go over and we see the uh, the tour guides and all the Vespas and they're like, okay, so everybody pick somebody to ride with and you know, whatever. And I'm like walking around trying to find like, you know, some Vespas and people that are, you know, I'm, I'm worried about my wife getting a good driver. That's not going to be, you know, a handsy douche. And like, we all have to like ride on the back of these Vespas with these drivers. Okay. Right. Mostly men. Right. Okay. So anyway, so she finds this driver. She gets on great. I find sort of like one of the last drivers and like, I'm not a small guy, so there's different sizes of Vespas, so I end up on the back of this, you know, a little bit larger Vespa with this guy, and uh, and so it turns out, he's actually a dual citizen in Rome and New York City. So I'm fortunate enough to ride on this Vespa with this guy who speaks perfect English and has lived there for a bunch of his life. So, what happens is you you basically put on your helmet, and then you hop on the back of the Vespa. And I'm like, Awkwardly trying to figure out how I'm going to hold on to this thing. Because there's no handles underneath the seat. You know? Do I hold the large sweaty man in front of me? You know? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Do I like, like I'm you not cuddle. I'm not exactly the most, you know, comfortable. Like I've never been on a motorcycle per se before, you know? And I'm like, uh anyway, so I, I figure it out and I I realize that I can just kinda like sit there. And if I'm going to fall over, I can just lean in and I don't have to wrap my hands around this guy. So we, we get along fine. We figure it out. But the Vespa tour is awesome. We're like flying down the road at like 60 to 80 kilometers an hour, just like screaming with the Vespa engine. And there's this train of us. Now, Vespas travel wherever the hell they want on the road. Okay. Lanes don't matter. Fucking in and out don't matter. Lights almost don't matter. Like it's fucking crazy time. And so there were a couple of occasions where, yes, we thought we were going to kill each other. Uh, I thought Vespas were going to end up on top of Vespas. We go inside this, like, this. <laughs> so there's 40 of us, if you can imagine, all traveling en masse down the road. Okay? It's like a biker gang, you know? But a Vespa gang. But a Vespa gang with all these people in the back. And so we go into this underground tunnel. And and you can hear the Vespas, <laughs> right? And then and it's like loud anyway, you know. And then you go into the tunnel, and it's it's even louder. It's like, <gasps> and there's like so many of them, and and then and but the thing is like, through these tunnels, they're also trying to squeeze cars through. So it's it's totally fucked up. It was just it was like so so scary. But we were able to see like a whole bunch of really cool stuff, and and I was really fortunate, like I said, because my guide, my driver, was bilingual, so we were actually having a discussion. I was getting like a tour inside of the tour, you know. And I mean, he echoed the sentiment about the hospitals too. We drove by a children's hospital, which is right next to like the university and a library, 
And he goes, yeah, you see that? And he, I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's the children's hospital. I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like, uh, I wouldn't take my dog there. I love my dog. <laughs> I wouldn't take my dog there. Okay? So wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, sweet. So do I even need this helmet? He just laughed at me. But anyways, uh, so we got to see the Vatican. We didn't go in, but, like, we went to the Vatican, and we got to see, like, St. Peter's Square and all that sort of stuff. And we went to see uh, a couple of, like, parks, sort of, like, with these really high vantage points and, and like, looking out over different areas of Rome. We got to look through the keyhole, which showed, you know, there's, like, this famous keyhole in a door where you look through the keyhole in a door, and it shows, like, the perfect vine awning, you know, like a, like a, like a, a shrubbed tunnel. And at the end of the tunnel is the perfect outline of the Vatican, you know. Uh, we got to see the Colosseum and some of that sort of stuff, which is really cool. Because, like, if you've ever played Assassin's Creed 2 yeah. or Brotherhood, it fucking looks exactly like that. Yeah. Exactly like that. It was like, Sweet. what? So, so that was cool. And, uh, and, and, yeah, and we had some amazing dinners. And we, we ended up, um, the highlight of the Rome trip, actually, was we were able to take this bullet train to uh, Florence, to Firenze. And uh, that is where the Statue of David is, in a museum in, in Firenze. And, and that place is, like, really cool. Like, that is, the colors were amazing, and the architecture was super cool. The cobblestone streets were awesome. Sculptures were everywhere. And, like, the Statue of David, if you haven't seen the Statue of David, you can't understand how insane it is. Like, it, the Statue of David is the original HD. It's the best way I can put this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, if you look at it at the right angle, and you look at it, you know, closely enough, it almost looks like the statue has arm and leg hair. Okay? Wow. It's like, you can see the veins in the neck, in the hands, you know? And you almost, like, are waiting for them to beat, you know, with blood in them. Like, it's ridiculous, ridiculous, the quality and the detail that is in this thing. So it's, it, was, it was very, very, very exciting. And, you know, the food was good, and, and just the landscape was great. Shopping was great. And, yeah, I would, like, if I were going back to, to Italy, I would, I would absolutely go back to, to Florence, and I would spend, you know, three to four days there for sure. But, like, I felt like I was done in Rome, you know? So, so it was good, and and then we uh, we had one night where we stayed up uh, until until breakfast. Actually, we had this dine around dinner, and we we got back from dinner at midnight. And we we're like, okay, we're hit the bar. So we all went back out to the Irish pub, and we started drinking. And we were drinking out on the patio, and we drank until uh, about four. Sorry, they closed the bar at three. We stopped at these carts where they sell a bunch of beer and shit, just in the carts twenty four seven. So we, a bunch of people bought, like, fucking bagfuls of beer. We went back and, and sat at the, uh, the patio in front of, like, a little dining area, I guess, outside in front of the hotel entrance. And there was, like, 30 of us all just, just sitting there getting loaded until, like, 5.30 in the morning. Finally, everybody decides they're going to bed, and we're all looking at each other. And, like, uh, one of the guys and his brother, Seamus and Duncan, and, and uh, and Alana and I were sitting there. We're like, okay, well, it's five forty. Like, we've got to be at breakfast at seven, and we've got to be awake and ready to go and get ourselves dressed for this gala by two. So, are we going to bed, or should we just stay up, have breakfast, 
go to bed full and then get like six hours of sleep and then wake up when we need to wake up and get our shit together. We obviously stayed up until seven. Yes, so, obviously. So we got to see the sunrise in Rome, which was super, super glorious. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, that was sort of like one of the highlights, but it was good. And Amsterdam after that was completely crazy. Completely crazy. We got to see, so we fly into Amsterdam, we land, and it's like nine o'clock or whatever, and we get on a train from the airport, the Stripol airport, to go to, uh, to actually go to Amsterdam. We end up at uh, Central Station. We walk from Central Station to our hotel, which is clearly in the red light district. Okay. Now the red light district is not per se like necessary. When I say that, it's like a larger geography that is basically like the seedy touristy area where everybody, you know, sees naked chicks and smokes dope. But yeah. those areas are sort of segregated off within that area. So we're sort of more in like the restaurants, coffee shop sort of area. That's where our hotel is. So uh, we end up getting to the hotel and we go to Burger Bar. We like check in, drop all the shit, and we're like, we're hungry. It's like almost eleven. We need to eat, so we go to Burger Bar because it's right there, which is like a franchise. Let me tell you, this place is insane. Like, the burgers were amazing. The toppings were unreal. Uh, all of these different sauces. The fries are delicious. Like the fries in Amsterdam are are just crazy time, absolutely crazy time. It's one of the the big delicacies uh, uh, delicacies that are out there. It's, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're big with their fries and their mayo. It's like street frites, you know. So, um, but yeah, so this so Burger Bar, I actually got a Yagyu beef burger, 200 grams of Yagyu beef with like cheese, bacon and, and toppings and stuff. It was like a, it was like a, a like a 20 euro burger and fry combo. Uh-huh. Wow. Totally worth it. Uh-huh. Cooked to a perfect medium rare, like, oh my God, worth everybody, worth literally everybody. It was so good. Um, interesting fact, actually, about Europe is that um, beer and pop are the same price. Oh, that's how it should be. Except that pop isn't a dollar. Pop is three fifty. Uh, well, that's no good. <laughs> no, it's no good. Uh, but yeah, like you, we were actually going to in Rome. We went to a convenience store and we bought uh, th- they they sell beers in threes. We paid two eighty five for three beers. Wow, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, anyway, so so Amsterdam's great. Uh, Tuesday, we decide we're gonna sleep in because we had. So we slept in. I did a pile of laundry. There's a laundromat because we had all of our stuff from Rome that we had to clean. So I went and did a bunch of laundry at the laundromat, and then we went out and had some lunch. We walked around a bunch of places, and we went back to the hotel. We had a nap. And then Jan, Jan Vanderbeck, of course, Dizzle, uh, he uh, sent me some messages. We'd been talking leading up to, uh, leading up to the trip, and so he texted me. He's like, "Okay, I'm almost in town. So, you know, where's your hotel?" And I told him. So he met me at the hotel. We came downstairs, and he took us out for a night on the town, which was just awesome. Like, yeah. oh my lord! So everywhere we had been going was really touristy, you know, obviously. But he took us down to some of the, like, like further south into the city, or, like, further south away from the city, into some of the more, like, local joints. And, wow, it was just really, really cool. It was really, really nice. And Alana 
and I had a blast. Like, Alana had a blast hanging out with you on. That guy is, like, cool shit. Right on. Super nice, smart as a whip. And, and yeah, we had a blast. I, I, was dra- I drank some sours while we were out there, and, yeah, everything was just good, man. It was just good, and we had, we had a really good night. We got back about midnight, I guess, went to bed, and got up. We did, we did all of the, everything all over again, and we spent you know, three days, three actual full days in Amsterdam just kind of like checking things out and getting drunk. And we went, to, we went to the Heineken Experience, which is like the brewery. Okay. And, uh, and that was a super cool tour. Like That was something that was really exciting. You got to see like, how all the beer was made. And we got uh, some like custom glasses engraved, and you know, we got a, a Heineken bottle specifically with sort of like Scott and Atlanta 2015, la- sure. like lasered along the bottom, um, you know, as part of the label. It was just, it was a really, really cool experience. We were really, really happy with it. So yeah, I would absolutely go back again. Like I would love to go to Amsterdam on like a four day bender. Would be wow. just yeah, would be crazy. Like just, but like with people, like with yeah, a yeah. bunch of people, similar like, to Vegas. Yeah, it's totally not like like having seen what we've seen. It like it was really nice to go, but I wouldn't go back just the two of us. Like I just feel like we wouldn't get enough out of it. You know, like we wouldn't get anything more than we got out of it already. Yeah. But like, if there was a group of us, like four to six of us, fuck man, would I do Amsterdam and we'd do it crazy. Nice, nice. Yeah. Or oh. were the people like in Europe? Um, lots of homeless people in Rome. Really. No homeless people in Amsterdam. Hmm. Um, everybody was super nice in Holland, right? Like super nice and chill, right? And uh, and Rome, a lot of people were just like, just like conceited bricks. Really? Yeah, yeah. We really had a really good time in Amsterdam, and it was clean. The air was great. You know, I was just I was. We were really really taken aback. It is. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde city. Wired. You know? Because, you know, like at night, everyone's just partying it up and everyone's getting wild and throwing shit everywhere. And then by the time two o'clock rolls around, three o'clock rolls around, everyone goes to bed. There's nothing open. And you wake up in the morning and everything is gone and clean. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it was super cool. Like I would 100% recommend checking out um, Amsterdam if you guys ever have the time and opportunity. It, it's a hell of a time. City is really something something to see. I took, I'm not normally like a picture guy, and I took 736 photos over this trip. Wow. There was just these, these so many sites that were just unbelievable. Just breathtaking. You know, there are so many things that I saw in Rome that really just reminded me that there's, there's more to life than humanity. Like, there's no way that human beings created some of this shit. Like, they obviously did, but, like, not alone, you know? Oh, aliens. They're, they're, I see Prometheus. You know, there are, there are touches of something special in a lot of these places in Rome, and that was, it was really, really evident in being in some of them, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, trip of a lifetime. Like, we'll never be able or be given the opportunity to repeat that trip. Uh, had an absolute blast. And the people we hung out with were just stupendously huh. Yeah. So it was it was really really needed, and yeah, I, I've come back all refreshed. I've got you know this crazy fire lit under me for work, and things are good. I mean, we had we had the um, the standings come out 
for us, you know, in terms of like sales reps while we were on the trip. So they came out sort of like just before, I guess like second last day while we were there. And, uh, and I've crept back up. I'm, I'm now number one in Ontario and uh, number seven, nice. number seventh nationally. So, Wow! Yeah, very nice. it's very nice. Big game, right? Big game. So I, I just decided. How are you gonna beat the Berta boys? They're tough, man. Yeah, they're tough. You got all the monies. The difference is, is that like, like the Berta boys have the like. There's a lot of positive brand recognition for Telus out west, and there's not as much of it here out east. Oddly enough, like it's still very much like a Rogers and Bell, you know, dominated Yeah, they know area. you because of a photo store. A photo store. Right. They don't they don't just know us because we bought blacks. They know us more than that. But they they, they equate us a lot of people equate us to like kudos, right? Yeah. So um but yeah, so so that's that's a big one, but there's a lot more net new opportunity or net or like new business opportunities for us here than yeah. there are at West. We do a lot of routine. Correct. Correct. So so I mean, now all of that stuff's all worth points that count towards your ranking. But yep. um, I, I, all I got to do is just sell my ass off, and if I do, and I can, and I have been, if I continue to do so, then that's it. But like, I've decided that, like, I'm, I'm not content. Like, I'm, I've been able to do as well as I have been so far with like, you know, forty-five to sixty-five percent effort, and I'm really interested to see what happens if we can go from eighty to ninety. Like, I'm really interested to see what happens. Uh, our tr- our our trip next year should we should we continue to do this well as Grand Cayman Islands? Nice for next year, and that's something that that I want to be able to really enjoy pretty well. So yeah, lots to do. Lots. Well, to I'm do. excited for when we all plan to go to the same GP, and then you get to go to the Grand Cayman Islands instead. It's gonna be yeah. such balls. Me too. <laughs> that, that, that's that's all. Yeah, <laughs> such balls. Guys should come to Oklahoma, GP, GP Oklahoma. Yeah, like I'm sure that's no, September, September, September. It's like it's West Coast. It's like right under you, Oklahoma. Yeah, huh. not immediately under you, but like it's under you. It's not an East or West scenario. I see. Yeah, September yeah, it's weekend. It's only going to cost infinite dollars. Okay. Yeah, that'll cost all the money. All of it. Yep. Montreal is soon. It is soon. Are you going to that, Scotty? I will be going to Montreal. It sounds like Um, the wife and I are still ironing out the details, but it's it's her mom's birthday that weekend. But uh, you don't have to be there for that. That's part of it. Yeah. So, um, so I I may need uh, may need to be put up somewhere for those of you in Montreal that are looking to uh, house a Scotty Mac, but um, but yeah, I I don't plan on playing in the main event at all, and uh, it's Dragons Limited, mm. just because like it's stale. I just don't need to. Yeah, but you should register and get the packs, right? Uh, I don't even think it's worth it. It's like sixty bucks or something like that. Holy fuck. Like GP, the GP just announced the <laughs> constructed price, like the main event for San Diego constructed, seventy dollars. Really, it's happening. Yeah, for five dollars more, you got to play Modern Masters sealed. Jesus Christ! Unbelievable. That's bonkers, man. And people are gonna pay it, I guess. Yeah. 
Yep, 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 yep. Crazy. So, yeah, I'm excited. Excited. Yeah. So I'm gonna go and check out. So Montreal is gonna be gonna be neat. Um, and then I'm just hoping the side events don't suck. Traditionally, Gamekeeper has not done an an optimal job of running tournaments in general. Um. And worse for side events and such, so I'm not 100% sure where that's going to end up, but we'll see. We'll see. Oh, you know what? I'm incorrect. It's it's in August, and if you paid before June 1st, it was $60, but now it's $70. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's getting crazy now. That's ridiculous. It's getting crazy. Thanks, Cascade Games. It's getting more and more crazy. How do I that's, find that's insane. things on people's Facebook page? Post so, to page. Jeff Foster just posted. I'm looking. I'm just like looking at it. He goes, "Now that I'm back from Vegas, I'm going to get something off my chest I've been wanting to say for weeks. Side oh, events. Side events suck. Yes, side events at Grand Prix are miserable. These events are supposed to be the biggest money maker for the tournament organizer. Tons of them fire every weekend, and for a lot of people, some of whom don't even participate in the main event." It's the last opportunity to get them to leave with a good impression. However, they always seem like an afterthought. Yes, TOs put a lot of effort into making attractive events, but then they give the person in charge a very brief overview, if any at all, of what's going on, no time to actually figure out how the room is laid out so they can find places for everything, and staff that part of the room is almost exclusively with inexperienced judges. All this and being side events lead to it seen as a job for an L2. How often do you hear about complaints of a side events at a GP? Most, most of them? Almost every GP, people are complaining about wait times, bad judge calls, cramped spaces, or one of a hundred completely avoidable things. You want judges to feel like being put on side events aren't a punishment? Don't make it feel like one. Yeah. Oh, it's just It's a great post. It goes on. So it's totally worth reading. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like they go into like some of the stuff that's like actually like even more terrible about it. Like shift changes when when it comes to that stuff is just a freaking nightmare. Yeah, absolute nightmare. Um, because the two people never get a chance to talk to each other if things are bad already, and it just only gets worse. It's a multiplier. If things are going good, it's probably a better multiplier. But if it's going bad, it gets real bad. So it's cool to see Jeff kind of like standing up and saying, "I'm going to fix this," because you know he's at an event every weekend. And everybody knows him, and he's going to have a ton of support to do it. And uh, Jeff kicks ass, so. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. So, Saturday, June 27th at 7 p.m. until 2 a.m., face-to-face games Toronto, face-to-face after dark. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun. Magic and board games are fun. Very fun. You know what's more fun? Magic and board games with alcohol. Our lemonades are delicious. Very delicious. They're also more delicious with alcohol. Come join us for our inaugural face-to-face After Dark event, a fundraiser for youth assisting youth. After our regional PTQ wraps up, we'll be serving a variety of booze at the cafe and running sweet events all night. Here are, here's a loose schedule of events. Are you ready for this? One, 7 p.m. Draft and Draft. English is stupid and so are we. Modern Masters 2015 Draft and a beer for 40 bucks. Okay? Uh. 9 p.m. Booze Cube and Rock Band. 
Nice. Modern Masters might not be the best drinking game, but our booze cube certainly is. Imagine magic, but turned. If degeneracy isn't your jam, we'll also be rocking out with an old favorite. 10 p.m. Curated Cards Against Humanity. Typically, the game gets boring after a while as the jokes get old. Our curated version is almost entirely the fantastic cards in the new expansions. Significantly less offensive, but also much, much funnier. We've also got some sweet custom cards. 11 p.m. is Werewolf. Shit. 12 a.m. is Resistance at Competitive REL. We have no idea what this actually means, but it sounds funny, and Resistance <laughs> is awesome, so we're doing it. We have uh, no idea what this means. And then 1 a.m. is Judge Tower, the drinking game, an odd magic format that becomes infinitely better when all parties are intoxicated. Rules can be found here. Dollar from every drink sale. That is disgusting. Judge's Tower with booze? I have no idea what Holy. that is. I'm about to click on it in a minute. Uh, okay, Judge's Tower, really simple for everybody out there, yeah. is that every turn you have to use all the ability of your cards, you have to cast the card as soon as you can cast it, and you have to always attack and always block. All the players, second you do something wrong, you, you're dead. All players share a 250-card deck in a graveyard. Every, you own every card you draw for purposes of things like Homeward Path. Begin the game with no cards in hand. You must play every card in your hand as soon as legally possible. All optional modes are mandatory to the extent that you can fulfill them. Um, you must activate every activated ability permanent you control once per turn per legal target as soon as legally possible. Always activate abilities in the bottom of the card up. For instance, if you satisfy Moss or Bridge's hideaway requirement, you must activate it on upkeep, not the mana ability. If a spell or ability has X in its mana cost, X is always 5. You must attack all legal attackers and block with all legal blockers whenever the option is presented to you. All players have infinite life. All players have infinite mana. You lose this round if you commit a game's rule violation. Play the game until there's a winner. Yeah. That winner gets a point. Then exile all permanents, all cards in the graveyard, and all cards in hands and start the next round. What the fuck? So, so what's the strategy here, Jer? Like, how do you win? You, like, tap someone's creature? Well, hold on, hold on. The most, no, no, imp- the most important part the- of the game is deck construction. I don't remember it in its entirety, but I can give you some examples of stupid cards we play with. Dej- yeah. uh, Gin Illuminatus, Warp World, Conjured oh, Currency, God. Prosperity, Perplexing Chimera, Dead Ringers, Portent, Melek Isit Paragon, Eater of Days, and so on, and so on, and so on. So what they do essentially is they take every card that has too much text or would be like really awkward in a situation where you always have to attack or always have to block and it it jams them all into the deck. So all of a sudden you're playing like some Lich's Mirror thing or something just bizarre where like how do the rules work on this card? Well, it's like that's kind of the trouble is that you don't know exactly how the rules will work on this card, but you don't get to figure it out so much as like you play it and you have to understand the rules. So it's, like, right. really cool because it creates all of these, like, bizarre interactions. And, like, that's why it's Judge's Tower. It was a game that was kind of come up with, like, where it's, like, let's take these really awkward cards and play them against each other, and we lose the game if we don't know how they work. Oh, my God. Okay. So, to show you how brutal it is, turn by turn, how I lost my first three games of Judge Tower. You ready? Game one, turn one. Yeah. Okay. Untap, upkeep, draw. Main phase one, cast Brainstorm. Oh, no, I lost. Oh, you lose. Brainstorm yeah, is an you instant, lose, you so didn't you cast have it in the draw. Correct. <laughs> what? Yeah, so... Okay, so... Yeah, you, you have to cast it during the draw phase, because it's an instant. Okay. Untap, upkeep, draw, reveal Thunderous Wrath, cast it for its miracle cost targeting you. I lost. It's an instant, so you can respond to the miracle trigger by casting it for its full price, since the trigger does not occur until it's already in your yes. hand. Yes, that is accurate. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Game three. Yep. So when Miracle's triggered on the stack, yep. Game three. We've been casting a crazy number of instants and sorceries. My board is full of enchantments. I've been holding on to the card Dredge, waiting for something to sacrifice. 
Okay, I'll play forest, tap it, cast red, sacrifice in the forest. Nope, you lose. Sacrifice isn't part of the cost, it's part of the resolution, and it doesn't target, so you could have cast it the second you drew it with nothing on the board. What the fuck? Yeah. So, Judge's Tower with booze. That sounds sweet. Sounds... Yes, it sounds sweet and terrible at the exact same time. Like, it sounds sweet because it's like, once you get into it and, like, you start going, like, the booze kind of, like, messes with things. It can be a grand, like, equalizer. But at the same time, it's just, like, if you're playing this, like, with, like, four players or something like that, you're never going to get a turn unless it's your turn. Like, guys are going to lose, like, immediately. Yeah, right, right, right. That's crazy. That, That seems like an absolutely ridiculous event. So check that out. Like we had like Morphling in the deck and Morphling in the deck like was like absolutely obnoxious because it was like every freaking phase I had to resolve every ability on Morphling from the bottom to the top. Uh, so it's like upkeep, do all this. Draw, do all this. Main phase. And you have to announce that. It's like a no shortcuts game. Right. Absolutely. You can't shortcut it. That, that's the big thing is there's zero shortcuts as well. Shit. So yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, if you ever make your way up to uh, Edmonton, Jay, um, I will make sure that we get together with Huxley. He's got one built, and it is obnoxious. For a booze cube or a judge tower? Judge tower. Judge tower. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I I imagine my judge tower games will go, I do this, you lose. Okay, I do this, (laughs) lose. All right, I do this, lose. I lose. I do lose. Yeah, so that's uh, that's where we're at with the Magic Front for this week. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? Maybe? Do you like- hmm. I don't know. Like, I, I keep hearing, like, all this crazy stuff from, like, Asian tournaments. I don't know. Like, did we have, like, did they have anything going on this weekend? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. No? No? Like, I just, I, I, I really liking, like, what kind of, like, crazy stuff we're getting out of there. Like, I'm still, like, <laughs> I, I haven't been, you know, like, playing much standard, but I've been, like, Okay, hold on. Shut the front door. Oblivion Stone is a $50, it's a $50 card? Yep. Yeah, essentially, if it didn't get reprinted in Modern Masters 2 and it wasn't in Modern Masters 1, then it's infinite dollars. Yeah, there was a bio. Somebody just bought it out today. It is a $50 card today. Yeah, there's a, a lot of crazy stuff. People were freaking out over Snapcaster Mage and stuff, too. Oh, yeah? You, you can still buy it now four <laughs> times Oblivion Stone for $115. Well, there you go. That seems like a great deal. Wow. Yeah, I heard Snapcaster Mages were worth, like, insane amounts of... Yeah, I'm happy because I just, like, finished my foil playset. So. Good for you. Yeah. Got them all for like a hundred and twenty to a hundred, so that's really good. They're like two fifty a piece, right? Now. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm I'm feeling very good about it. Wow! 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 Yeah, Blood Moon sixty bucks. I need that. Creeping Tar Pit is twenty dollars. What? Yeah, everything's nuts. Twenty dollars. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, these things are just crazy. Just crazy. 
So, Jeremy, what, what did you say you were going to get excited about? Oh, just like I, 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 I've been trying to think of like all these crazy decks that are going on and stuff like that. And like, I just, I, I, I again, standard is like something that is like not known to me. Like, I've been playing a lot of modern and everything like that and going back into it. And like, we, you guys were talking earlier about like this, this black green dragons type thing that like, I, I don't know, like you're saying, it was like, what is it, Namsum Wook who's playing it or which guy was playing it? Uh, is that like- I don't think so. I don't think it was Namsum Wook. Yeah, I think he played something else. Oh, which one? Like, who's who's playing that? What was that? That black green dragons? Like, who's playing that? Um, Mahara. It was Mahara. Mahara and oh, was it Mahara? Yuya. Yuya was playing that as well. Oh, okay. So just the absolute sickos. Mm-hmm. Truth. Like, where do I? <laughs> is is it a deck that you can kind of like insert yourself into standard with, or is it like? Well, it's pretty deep. Basically, like every single good card in standard in one fucking deck. So about okay, it. so it's like good old fashioned like mythic, like of. Uh, yep. Yeah, um, it's like four thoughtsies and Abzan charms and heroes downfalls and all of the good green creatures and dragons. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the deck. So, so like that's something that like somebody who's completely out of it could just like pick up and do something with or yep. okay well maybe that's the way to go about it because like now that i actually get a chance to play fucking magic i'm like kind of like itching to actually like build some fucking decks and play some standard i'd be curious okay. for you to try the the current deck of the moment which is definitely red green devotion so if you can build that up yeah i, I was watching a bit of that yeah i watched some of that tcg player thing so so build that shit and let me know if you think it's good. Okay, man. We'll do. Devotion's always fine. But it's just like it's fine. You know? Just fine? It, the problem with that I have with it is that it's only just fine. That's all. Um, Titanic Growth is back. Leaf Titanic Gilder Growth. is back. That's interesting. Oh, do we just get our spoilers? Elvish Visionary. Titan Strength, Cobble Brute, Rune Servitor from Origins, that's fine. And Bellows Lizard, little fire breather. Weight of the Underworld is in Origins. This set seems. Oh god, Goldforge Sentinel. Catacomb Slug, Claustrophobia. Disperse. You know, it's terrible that I don't actually know what any of these cards are. Like, I know these names, I recognize these names, but I have no idea what the cards are. Yeah, me too. Oh, really? Because, like, yeah. Oh, so Disperse is uh, blue one, return target non-land permanent to the owner's hand, instant. Okay, yeah, yeah. Claustrophobia is um, blue, blue Yeah, one. that's the three mana, right? Two, yeah, tap one, something. Four. Catacomb Slug is four, four B for uh, two six. Nothing exciting. Mighty, Mighty Leap. Yoke Docks. Fucking Sanguine Vampire and Sarah Angel are back. Like, it's all the same old Sweet. shit. Terra So Stopper. do we have to assume that Serum Visions is in the set? No, they, sorry, they already said it's not in the set. Oh, oh did they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Shivan Dragon is back, baby. You know, is it back as, like, a, a card in the set? Or is it, like, one of those, like, plus one cards where it's, like, in a little booster thing? Not sure I can tell. It's rare. No, it's just in there, man. Yeah, because if you look at the set number, there were some of them that had the set number where it was like, "Yep, two eighty 
Oh, man. The draft at the Pro Tour is going to be pretty basic, corset-ish. <laughs> yep. Right down my alley, baby. Yep. I'm, I'm still waiting for... Uh, I guess I have to wait until next week to see anything that might influence Constructed for, for the PT, but right now only Liliana is the only important card revealed after 70 cards. Mm-hmm. And even that, I don't I have no fucking idea. I'm... Might just try jamming it and playing it for fun, just to see how I like it. When was the last time you played Magic for fun? Um, right, nineteen eighty-five. Got me. <laughs> when I cubed with TSG, I actually won twice, Jay. <laughs> uh, and I what did you dr- what did you draft? Like the like the easiest shit. Like one of them, like mono red, both <laughs> times. I had three boxes. <laughs> Oh my god. And a Grave Titan that just kept killing them. <laughs> so the other day I was cubing and I was it was similar. My my cube's not powered though, right? So um I go turn one, land, mana crypt, pay two life, Phyrexian Metamorph my mana crypt, go. Untap, land, Silumgar, go. But then, and I'm like the luckiest sack ever with Mana Crypt. I think I've taken like lifetime probably less than 20 damage on, on crypts. So I'm like, okay, sweet. This is, this is going well. Uh, I will... Uh, I have a fucking turn two Silumgar that minuses all your guys. Like, how can, you, how can I possibly lose to this? I proceed to just brick forever, and I lose to Raging Ravine. The guy plays no creatures and he just goes Raging Ravine, make it a four, and I'm like, yeah, I block. And then make it a five, make it a six, make it a seven, make it an eight, and then I just die. With with on the board lands two mana crypts and a Silumgar. (laughs) I'm not as lucky as KYT. What did you draft the second time? Uh the second time um, I'm trying to remember what I drafted. My mind's blank because the mocks, all the mocks was coming to me the second draft. Um, and it was just easy mode. Uh, yeah, that's easy mode, right? Yeah, yeah. What uh, was the first? Uh, I don't remember. The first one I just had in the finals, I played against Mono Red and I had, my deck had sort of a war and peace and some, oh no, okay, my first draft, I remember now. My first draft was just, I just felt, like, so cheap. I didn't know, like, I'm very bad at these cubes because all the cards are, like, same power level. I have no idea how to distinguish between them. But my first pack had true name Nemesis and, like, 14 other powerful cards. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go the easy route and was able to ride it most of the time, especially in the finals against Mono Red. was able to get that plus a sort of worn piece. So was not going to lose that. And uh, true name Nemesis is... Too fucking good. <laughs> yeah, it's too good. It's like let's not play magic. Let's have you deal with this unless it's the like cube... a, it's basically like a jeet. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's like you're not playing magic anymore. Can you beat jeet or not? <laughs> you need an edict effect or some like mass board wipe, whatever. But like first, you have to have in your deck. You have to have been able to draft it in the first place, and then yeah, and you then have you have to, to get around draft. the counter spell, and then you have right. to get around. The fact that I have other threats and yeah, yeah, that card is so like true name nemesis and, and then Grave Titan, you know, basically carried my deck to to victory land both times and um, 
Yeah, I was just happy to not have to go to mono red route just because I don't know how to draft cube, but uh, getting better at it. Just um, stuff like, you know, these big fatty creatures always seem to be really hard to deal with, like whether it's like Great Titan, like I talked about. Frost Titan just annoys a lot of people as well. So yeah. I'm, getting, I'm getting used to it. Like any anything that actually shits out a bunch of guys is always annoying. Like even uh, Precursor Golem, if they don't have an answer, um, yeah. it's fucking annoying. So so I'm learning that, but that's how I drafted in 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 Modern Masters, and I guess it applies for all formats. It's just, I guess in other, in general, when I'm drafting other formats, I guess I don't draft, there aren't these type of cards as often to draft, like a guy that makes a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Um, that is oppressive. I don't come across that that often, like a Maloku or whatever. Um, anymore these days, so just knowing that they're really good in cube, though, it is sweet because you have like like cube has these awesome one for one removals that people have in their cubes, but you know it does nothing when I have a bunch of dudes. Well, that's the only lesson I've learned, Jay. I've got a lot to learn <laughs> to get good at them. And that, and obviously, if you're playing a power cube, you you draft power, obviously. Yeah, you just always take the power. You're like that's why I don't have a power cube. It just like makes it I don't know unfun for me. Yeah, it's too it's too obvious. Like, oh, time walk or these other normal cards. Or any fucking card, great. Oh, so are you open? You opened three noxes. Okay, that must be nice for you. Seems yeah. fair. Well, it looks like sounds an awful lot like the end of our podcast. Hmm. I think so. I think so. Thank you all for listening. Hey, you know what? I read the comments, and, like, that guy needs to, like, chill the fuck out. <laughs> Whoa. And if well, I think that it's great you, that we have, have, like, some like, fucking, like... He loves our show, If we want to have, like, an A-team sleeve tattoo sleeve thing, then that's the fucking merch idea that I've got, so fuck it. That, he loves our show, man. Have. He loves our show. I love that guy. <laughs> I know, I know. But, like, to say I'm fucking putting down people who play lots of magic and are terrible... No, it's just I was better at magic when I played magic. Yeah. That's my thing. <laughs> if you're terrible at magic, you can do things to get better. If you're not playing magic, you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah. All right, guys, I'm going to bounce and go to bed. All righty. Have a good night. Good night, everybody. I love you all. Good night, everyone. <laughs>